So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whenever this is. This is Match Media Dialogue, so I'm your critic in crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is our post-Thanksgiving, post-Black Friday, and kind of post-Cyber Monday episode of BS Beats and Bailey. The reason why I say that is because we're actually recording this thing on Cyber Monday. Um, right. I, for one, don't really care about Cyber Monday that much. I'm more into the Black Friday kind of vibe. But the point is... Right. Thanksgiving is over, and now I could actually get into the Christmas mode here. This is where my brain goes into overdrive, and I now have to catch up on shows and TV shows and music that I missed out on and all that good stuff, and hopefully be able to, to share my thoughts with you guys. So in this case, with today's episode, um, I'll be doing a special album review. Um, actually, was requ- it was actually a request actually from the artist himself, artist by yeah. the name of Mike Wise, um, San Fernando's own. Um, Ricardo has done a few, has actually shot and edited a few videos for him uh, over the past year or so, um, specifically for his Sunday lunch mixtape, which is a dope ass mixtape. You should check that out. I'll actually put the link to it below, um, so you know you can check that out. So um, he put out a project actually a few days ago called Leave, and this is actually the second project he's put out this year. Uh, the first one being Good Grief, which he put out um, in September of this year. So I will right. be talking about the 8-track album, Leave. I'll share my thoughts on it. Uh, Ricardo, I know you checked it out. You probably checked it out as soon as it came out. So, you know, you can bounce yes. ideas back and forth and, you know, what yeah. we thought about it. And I'll be talking about Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is a documentary more or less celebrating the life and times of Fred Rogers, a.k.a. Mr. Rogers. Um, also, because the year is coming to an end and I can't just be watching great movies as, as much as I want to talk about great movies, I'll talk about some garbage as well. So, um, I'll be talking about the latest collaboration between director Peter Berg and your favorite actor of all time, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, aka yeah. Marky Mark and the, <laughs> and the Funky Bunch, Mile Funky 22. Bunch. So, I would say, okay. well, I would yeah, say the, that. Um, yeah, yeah, how you hear, you hear how bad Mark, Mark Wahlberg is? How you just fuck up a movie with drama in it? You know, I shit know, right? <laughs> how you just fuck up a movie with drama in it? When I see Rama from freaking Raid, I was like, well, it's gonna be hard then. Nope. Oh, shit. But, but, you know, we, we, but, you know, we will get to that soon enough. Um, In your case, you went out to the theaters, so you saw the latest Fantastic Beasts movie. The Crimes yeah. of Grindelwald. Um, I said yeah. in my last review, sorry, in the last episode of Bears Me to Melee, where I just felt as if like I did not want to do a lot of legwork like, trying to remember shit that happened in eight other Harry Potter movies, including the last Fantastic Beasts yeah. film. So I kind of yeah. skipped on it. But you checked right. it out, so you share your thoughts on that. And to close things off, boy, um, pat on the back, first and foremost, for actually being brave to check out Robin Hood, boy. 
which is the latest adaptation, an adaptation that nobody asks for. Nobody fucking. <laughs> nobody, yeah. nobody asked for it, but we, we, we had it because, you know, the 2010s just needed a Robin Hood, even though in 2010 we had really yeah, Scott's Robin Hood, but whatever. So <laughs> you'll, you'll, um, you'll, you'll let me know how that went down. <laughs> so kicking okay. things off now, now we have um, Leave which, as I said, is the second project um, to be released by San Fernando rapper slash producer Mike Wise this year. Um, He has been in the game for quite some time. Um, I was actually introduced to his work with the Sunday Lunch uh, mixtape. Totally enjoyed that. I love how he flipped some old-school hip-hop beats, whether it was um, Pete Rock's um, Fake and Jacks. You know what I mean? Um, There was a few other songs. There was even like um, one of... One of G Dillers, like yeah. uh, um, little known instrumentals, but it's from the project that he did with his brother, um, uh, which I totally, totally, totally love. I think it is some of G Dillers best work, period. But anyway, but um, I totally enjoyed the Sunday lunch um, project there, and you know I was just really excited to see you know um, to to hear what Mike Wise had next. You know what I mean? Uh, before yeah. I forget, he represents the Southside Limited Collective, uh, which includes fellow rapper Profess. Um, he's yeah, another great rapper as well. Yeah. Um, and I like the yin and yang between the two of them. It's almost like, say, a Q-tip and a and a, and a five dog in a sense. You know, Profess well, being I, in you know, a... I just always think of them as... Um, actually, the, the pair I compare them to is, is kind of Cameron and um, this Jim, boy. Not, not Jim Jones. Or, not Jim, Jim Jones, Jones or Jules? Jules no, not Jim Joel Santana, right. That, I was always oh, thinking oh, okay. that, yeah, yeah. I, I, I see it. Right, right, right. I understand. Yeah. Like, it's Mike White's camera on. He's like um, Professor Joel Santana. Right. Uh, I was <laughs> that, thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. a workable comparison I've in my head with them now. Right. Well, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense. Right. right. So um, with Good Grief, um, which yeah. I enjoyed... Um, that one, you know, pretty much for what it's worth was just, you know, solid from start to end. Had a lot of great songs, great bars. Well, you know, great in this, not a lot in a sense, but because, you know, this and Leave are pretty short projects. But, you know, yeah. uh, production was on point. Lyricism was on point. Uh, yeah. Topics and themes, you know, just range from just more or less this reaffirmation of being one of the greatest in terms of Trinidad in hip-hop to, you yeah. know, normal shit. You know what I mean? Like love and loss and, you know, all that good stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, good, good um, group yeah. for me. Uh, yeah, good group for me had some like some genuinely solid tracks in it. Um, I, actually, if if I had time and uh, I could uh, like uh, if I had a slightly different focus in my career, we were going to make uh, a handful of videos from that um, like from that that mixtape. But I didn't have time, and you know I didn't fight it out. One track in particular, glorious. We had some initial plans to make, but I think that's crap at this point. The track, uh, the track that started in that album was um, Sahara Dust and Smart Salary. Really enjoy those two tracks. Oh, yeah, love, 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 love Smart Salary. Love that. Yeah, and then the, the track Hostility is, is, a, is a notably here because it featured Doughboy with his grimy yeah. ass verse. I know, um, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit, this is Doughboy, yeah. though. This is how he splits. Yeah. All right, all right. I'm thinking this. Yeah. This is cool. Uh, right. And it, it was actually quite a, quite a surprise, um, you know, how that played out and it came out because it came out roughly at the same time as Professor's mixtape. So it was a kind of co- co- co-production kind of thing being done at the same time. Um, right. And so this is why this album release was such a surprise to me coming out so quickly. Because yes, in my it head, Yeah, in my head, um, I thought, oh, I'm not going to see anything until after Carnival. 
and that to hear he just dropping it one time. I was like, all right, well, would they just yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, like you got to talk about it now. Uh, right. Leave and, gonna shoot it. Yeah, uh, for me, leave is just a bona fide local masterpiece, though. <laughs> I, I could not yeah. agree more. I could not agree yeah. more. Um, really shocked. This, this is, is definitely on some high level, just epicness, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Similar to, to Good Grief, it's eight tracks. But to me, though, if I were to compare the, the, the two, I would say Leave is the better of the two. Um, because yeah. it's just way, way more consistent. The topics that they approach, it's just something that, you know, stuff that I could relate to personally. And I'm not even a rapper, but I'm a hip-hop head, you know, true and true. But, you know, yeah. let's, let's not waste any time. Let me just jump into the, to the album right here. So um, we'll kick things off with uh, track number one, which is Short Staffed. Um, yes. And similar to Good Grief, you know, he kicks things off with this instrumental that, you know, doesn't have a drum beat. It's devoid of a drum beat, actually. So it's just this loop playing. But in this case, it's this kind of like moody, kind of jazzy loop. And it just yeah. makes for like this great backdrop for Mike Wise and Professor to just be passionate. Cause you could hear the passion yeah. in their bars. Now. They're talking about the skills, yeah. reputations as MCs, and of course, the unfortunate state of trailer and hip-hop today, right? Yeah. Um, there yeah. is a section in Professor's um, stanza. I, I'm assuming it's censored because it just kind of cuts off. And then it just right. resumes. Uh, yeah, that's I had a little issue with that, but I like uh, maybe, right. like, I don't know. I, I'm not saying it's a, like a production fault, but maybe right. it could have just not have the sensor last that long. Maybe that's, that's like about a couple of seconds instead of like four or five. Right. Like, this, that's a minor nitpick. But other than that, this is yeah. a solid way to kick off the project. Right. Uh, that's the thing. Here's the thing. Eh? I wanted. Okay, I'm gonna talk about this when the track comes up. When we talk about it, but I wanted to hear Profess do a verse on another track, and instead of this one, because to me it didn't fit his flow necessarily well. Right. What makes Professor a, a great rapper, in my opinion, is that he has this. He has a nice, like a kind of lisp that that fits into his flow. You yeah. Yeah. It? yeah. Mm-hmm. Slight lisp. Very very slight. It's just, you don't pick it up until you hear it on great great tracks, but it's have to flow with the track. And yes. why is verse works quite well. Professor's voice doesn't flow particularly well with this one for me. That's my only problem with, that, with this album. And I, I really wanted another feature in a professor to have it work well. And there's, to me, there's a track that would have worked perfectly for it. And I, I really wanted to hear um, Professor on that. Like, seriously, they should do a remix with it. Like, that, right, that, right. that's what I want to hear. It. Anyway, that is about that. Uh, yeah, okay. this, this track is solid. Um, again, the, what, the, what they're talking about is, is really intelligent. Like, it, it's, it's broad microscopic and macroscopic for you know, Southside Lifestyle, and at the same time for Trinidad in hip-hop as a whole. Yes, definitely, definitely. All right, so next track we have is Bad Mind. This is the second right. single of the album. Um, for right. one thing, just from, from, from when I saw the video for this, uh, when the video came out, which, by the way, had um, the use of, of rain because I was, like, I am one of the few people that always find that, you know, more more local films should incorporate rain, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's just the use of right. rain, you know what I mean? But... Yeah. Um, like, so they went back to, well, Mike White's gone back to um, his, his kind of staple video maker. That is um, his st- staple video visuals guy. That is Danity. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I was wondering who that yeah. guy is. All right. Yeah, yeah. he they did um, um, Angostura. Uh, right. And it, Angostura is a fantastic video, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Um, and they, they did Fool, I think, as well. Um, they, they, yeah, they have a nice, a, a particular, that guy, that guy has a nice style. I like how his stuff bounces around. You get like a sense of motion and movement with, with Mike and, and him in, in particular. And yeah. yeah, this video is no different. Um, notably, yeah. just I, I thought Professor was in the video, he was kind of missing. Um, Joe Black was yeah, kind of missing. 
he just had well he had his two other buddies that I, I've seen in the concerts and, and various performances. So right. they, they were there to back him up. Um yeah, a solid video. Um yeah. overall the bad mind track itself is great, uh, given it given is. you know, given what's coming <laughs> in this album. And I yeah. we're gonna spread at length. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a great thematic reference point and leveling off of what the album is about. And yes. well so in, in his in their recent um hostility podcast, Mike Wise gives the reason as to why so go listen to that. It gives you a reason why the album is called Leave. It's it's nothing deeper than it, it is. It's actually a very simple reason. Um, it's kind of funny when you mentioned it. And yeah, this is a good setup for how the album should work and play out in terms of what you need to look for. Um, and there's a surprising amount of personal stuff in this album. I didn't yes, expect that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. So um, for one thing, I love the 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 dark boom bap instrumental. It has some like soulful melodies um, yeah. woven into it. I really love that. Um, it really does remind me of like mid to late nineties East Coast hip hop. You know the the good old days. You know the the, the music that I love. Um, yes. I love how brash and determined Mike Wise sounds over this beat, and it's basically like him just taking all that hate and envy and just you know throwing at him over the over his career and just using that as fuel yes. to just move forward to be as he says true that's finest, which is a nice reference to who shot you from you know Notorious B.I.G. Um, there are quotables galore in this track. I love how on the first verse he he, he kind of has a style where it's on the topic of this or on the topic of that. So he yes. says, on the topic of food, we never stop yours. We've been through the same old struggle and we did not pause. Think about it. Pick locks yeah. like puff. We never knock doors and we capitalize. You try to dot yours. I was like, what? All right. Um, yeah. I love on the second verse where he says, fuck stations, motherfuck that dial. Go into a remote location to channel my anger. Bah. So yes, hands down, this is one of the best tracks uh, on this album. And for me, like I would say, like for people who never listened to his music before, this is like the perfect introductory track to to his style and his song. Yeah. Right. Uh, Next track we have is Blank Canvas Part Two. Because I didn't really, I I never listened to the first part. um, This one kind of threw me off balance. For one thing, this is kind of like a two-parter song because. um, Right. Uh, because the first half starts off with this sort of stripped down beat, so like there's no drums or anything like that, right? And I'm assuming that it's like a reverse female vocal sample. Like it sounds right. weird as soon as 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 soon as he the song kicks in, you hear it, right? And it sounds kind of weird, but then as soon as he he, he starts rhyming, it's like all right, I kind of get what what what's what going on here. Um, it kind of segues into this. Um, Still kind of weird, but more tolerable male vocal sample. And then you hear this interview clip, and I'm assuming, if I'm wrong, Telma, I'm assuming this is the late great uh, Winston Bailey, a.k.a. The Mighty Shadow, being interviewed right. here. Because uh, I overheard Dingley in the background, the song playing there. Right. And, you know, he was just talking about just, you know, you put out a song, but, you know, some man could pirate it, and that's the only way your song will really get across there. A- apart from music, but, you know, <laughs> you're not really going to make anything from it. You know, the radios play it. Um, the 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 pirate, you know, in town, g- g- somehow get a hold of your song, and that's it, really. Um, uh, but it just goes into the second half, which has the same uh, vocal sample, but the beat itself is like slightly darker, a lot punchier than you know how it started off. I actually yeah. like the second half of more than the first half, in my opinion. Um, but overall, I, I just like the the uniqueness of the of the track overall, um, and the dark tone yeah. of it. Um, and I. Really like the fact that he was conveying, you know, Mike, Mike Wise was conveying just his self-doubt, you know, um, about whether I should rap, whether I should put out this track, if anybody going to listen to it, 
is it gonna sell is it gonna play wherever you know what i mean just that right. stuff though before you even like put pen to pad you know what i mean and you know just that um self-doubt and insecurity really made this song very personal you know what i mean um I could tell that it really comes from a, like a deep dark place. Like this is stuff that he's dealing with on a you know on a regular basis. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. Um, while the beat, I would say, has to grow on me a little bit, I really do appreciate yeah. the introspectiveness of this song here. Um, right. What's it, your thoughts it, on this track? Yeah, and so it's a great follow up to to the track on director's cut too. Um, and what it yeah again it's it's the, well the blank canvas reference point. You know what it is you have to go through and and you know, preface when you're doing this material as a as an artist. That's that's what I got from this. And yeah, it yeah. follows up quite well. Great track. But then we have to jump to the highlight track of the album. Oh boy, oh boy. So 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 let me let me let me let me let me share my thoughts, right? As as a no. non as a yes, non San Fernandoian. <laughs> after after lift the bonnet up, jack up the vehicle, um, carry this to, to the service center and laughed it laughing under guns, you know, or <laughs> Or the auto, the auto, the auto shepherd, or you know, I, I, so I'm making a bunch of puns that is very relevant to this track, right? Um, or the diagnostic scan, you know, if you, if you understand the pun, you'll know what it is. Um, basically, this is I had to I had to pause and stop my life when you release release this because when my when my brain was like registering the lyrics in the background, it's like wait 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 wait, who the fuck is singing about here? And uh-huh. And I was uh-huh. like, wait, is he? And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, oh, okay, I exactly know it is. And well, my guy's you know, pretty much validated uh, and verified who the person is on, on the last, their last podcast. And yeah, I was like, here's the thing. I, I, would, like, I would like to take a privy to certain unique information about this that verifies my guy's position, even though he says it is his, his one, one side perspective. Well, yeah, I am from that side as well. All facts. Sorry, <laughs> all mm. facts. Um, this is an excellent track. Uh, did oh, not expect it. Is. So yeah, damn awesome. Um, it's it's seven minutes long, which is like, wait, whoa, who are you gonna talking about this now? And yeah, yeah just you might just light out. <laughs> yeah, light out. Yeah. Full. Um, it really, really works. It is one of the highlight tracks to be on the album. Not my personal favorite, um, but it's really, really, really good, and it just totally works for me. Uh, goddamn. <laughs> yeah, Go Um. So, alright. <clears throat> so I like how the second interview clip from Blank Canvas sets up what we're going to hear with Phil. This is the track. Yeah. Um. Where you know, and yeah. For, for, forgive me if I don't know the MC who's talking about it here. Like I was trying to pick up on the man's voice. Like I don't know if it's Big Daddy Kane or just is all I know is a golden age hip hop. Um. Uh icon right but basically he's talking about this the days of hip-hop where you know um, somebody like a Roxanne Shanti could just say something about a person you know and you know, move on and basically that was what hip-hop was back then you see what you had to say and you move on right which is the perfect 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 way to segue into Phil right um as I said this is the longest track on the album and I say rightfully slow um rightfully so in my opinion um, I love the bluesy instrumental like it's very yeah. kind of like melancholy too melancholy, right? But smooth and just kind of like, yeah, I yeah. got the blues kind of vibe, right? And it, it don't, it don't feel like a, it don't feel like a, a, a distractor. It don't feel that's like the one. thing. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's what catch me off guard because when when Mike released it, so I was playing video games there. I said, uh-huh. I love a listening background. And then when I started hearing the lyrics, I'm like, wait, wait, what? I had to stop 
pause this and listen to this up closer. Like, all right, <laughs> okay, that's this, this is a factor that when, is verified. When, that is also true. <laughs> like, when, okay. when this song came out, I literally had to listen to this thing about three times just to make sure I pick up on what was going on. Because all I will say is, I know two of the players that are involved, as in I actually spoke to them, right? That's right. all I will say about that, right? Um, right. I, I, I am aware of everybody involved, but again, I, I would say, when a certain, certain line drop, I was like, yes, this is, I would like to argue there's a certain, I previewed the specific information, something involving Skinner Spark, and I was like, yep, that's, that's true. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, so long story short, um, it's about, well, so Mike Wise is going into intricate detail about yes. a member of the Southside Lifestyle Collective who, long story right. short, wanted to do things on his own and right. he pretty much kind of criticizing um, the two main rappers in the group, which is Mike Wise and Profess, for not working as hard as him and kind of right. like, you're not, you're, you're stuffed not on right. radio, so what is going yeah. on, you know, they're slacking off and that kind of thing, right? Um, well, yeah, and I, yeah. I, I really thought that that make up now. So I didn't think that this would catch me off guard with it because I thought it's like, oh, well, I'll do this and I'll let take it. This was kind of behind all here. Apparently not. Apparently I was wrong. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I really don't know the drama. The drama catch me off guard, but it's good drama and it works. And like, yeah, again, yeah. as far as I know, from my post, again, you know, my wife prefaces in the track itself, but yeah, as far as I know, there's nothing wrong about what's bad say here. So I would like to see what's going on here now. Right. Yeah. So um, the hook itself, um, I tell you half the story, the rest you fill it in, which of yeah. course is a reference to Jeezy's classic Dead Presidents 2. Um, yeah. That's like the perfect tagline for this for this entire song. Because yeah. like, he is just giving you the information, right? He's telling you what happened. And it's kind of up to you to just kind of piece together what he's seen. He's not being cryptic about it. He's just no. being as blunt and as real as it is. But, you know, yeah. it's going to catch you off guard. It caught me off guard. Like, I literally had to listen to this thing right. numerous well, times just to make sure I knew everything. But that's yeah. the style I, and approach which I loved about this song. Yeah. Another thing, I'll, I'll bring it up with uh, the next track. But this track also notice about it. Because it works with, with the nature of the anger. And because of, well, because of the nature of beef and that and how when people get back to each other, you know, all, all pretenses kind of fall off, you know. Um, yeah. one thing about, I'll mention it with, with pause, of course, or drink the next track. Uh, right. Okay. What I like about here is what I like about right. Like, I, I, yeah. I didn't think anything was, was wrong with pause for a drink, but you, you, could, you could fill in those blank, um, those blank spots. No, 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 me, but... I'll mention it. Here's the thing. Right. Uh, one thing. One slight critique I always had with Mike Wise is something I told him from the beginning. When I first met Mike Wise, um, I was heavily dismissive of, of him. Um, because it's like, yeah, it kind of, I, well, I, at the time I thought it was just this, you know, this white boy want to be a rapper through that bullshit. Now. And, I was, you know, like, yeah. and I didn't, I really didn't think he would have been that good. And I listened to director Scott too. I started to you know, check up his stuff, see what's going on with him. And I was really impressed, but still it had one small critique there with him overall. And you very, very rarely hear, hear it. And it's only one track that you, that he, he didn't have the issue. And as with, um, with Visa, um, is the accent, the accent argument. Right. Yes. One yes, of the, yes. Well, now I have already given my position about that. Um, I actually don't really have a big issue with the accent thing because my attitude is talent, lyrics first, and then the quote-unquote local accent bullshit argument could come up after. If you can yeah. do it, do it. But if you can't do it, don't do it, and and don't try to fight down the accent thing as if it's like some magical identity, Trinidadian identity you need to be beholden to. Right. That right. is, uh, in my opinion, is gatekeeping bullshit. Right. With that said, 
I would prefer if you could put in the accent a little, little slippy, never soften in local hip hop once it flows with the beat, right? Mm. This album does that, right? Profess does it with short staff, Mike does it in, in several tracks with this, and in Phil, you hear it a lot and it yes. flows very well. Yes, that's why this album I'll put it as a local masterpiece, more or less, right? Because it, he, it's the one little puzzle piece that was kind of slightly missing from a lot of Mike Wise music. Not trying to knock you or anything like that. That's just how I felt. And that's why this album in particular really stands out for me. And it really, really works. Right? Right. So that's it. Um, yeah, it's uh, perfect because of the nature of Phil and who he's talking about. Again, go we'll listen to Mike Wise on Doughboy's Hostility Podcast in the last episode. Because they actually mentioned the guy by name. And it, you know who it is there. I'm not going to mention the guy by name. Because I kind of like the dude. I think he's kind of cool. But if this is the case, yeah. yeah I don't know. <laughs> Right, so, so a couple oh, things I, I want to say. Um, so I love how level-headed he is on this track. Like, this is not hit him up yeah. where, you know, he comes first of all, fuck your, cook, get it, fuck your wife for the cookie claim and all that kind of stuff. He's not going at him like that. It's just, oh. all right, this is where I started off. I met this person. This is how we grow. You do your thing. Yeah. I understand that. I respect you, but things kind of fall apart and it's just me seeing it and i just love how nanny climax he just gets like brutally like honest right. it's like well I, why are you yeah. calling me out like this you know who the fuck are you blah blah blah, blah right um so there, but, there's, a light, there's a light yeah. there's a light involved with both daughters that is absolutely hilarious i was like wow Humble pie. i was like yes. bro did, I, in my head i told myself did that happen like but i like <laughs> No, no, uh, let me humble stuff, but you meeting him by, by McDonald's because it's just such a, a perfect way to end the, the, the liner with humble yeah. Like, my yeah, God, exactly. you being in the yeah. right place for the right verse at the right time now, however it is. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, we could gush about this track all day, but um, this is just a great fucking song overall, though. The beat, lyrics, yeah. the narrative, the approach to the narrative. I just love yeah. how the story is told. You know, he's not being too egocentric and saying, well, you know, it's you and you know this, you would try to bring me down. No, no, he's just being real. Like, we all trying to reach that level, but, you know, and I have seen it happen before in my chosen um, niche, which is film, where we all want to rise, we all want to reach the top, but one man to say, nah, but you only put me down, it's either leave you and do your own thing, and that's why the song really connect with me. So yeah. for me, this is the best track on the album, in my honest opinion. Right. And I'm gonna say this right now: this is one of the best rap songs I have heard in 2018, regardless yeah. of artist, regardless of country, regardless of accent. Yeah. This is one of the best yeah. rap songs I have heard in 2018, hands right. down. Likewise, this is one of the realest songs I have ever heard in my life. Like <laughs> yeah. this is this shit like I never heard into the rap, like local rap like, here. So I I can't deny it because I, again, I'm privy to very. Yes. I would like to. I would like to think I'm privy to very specific information. There's one line I'm not gonna mention it. I try to be as professional as I can on this. And there's I. I think I'm privy to a piece of information about this on this album. Um, yeah. that only me and my guys would be aware of. Uh, well, of right. course, and the target, the target of the ire. So yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah so la, la, last thing, last I wanna say though, like um, I don't know if. Cause to me, this is like the first time I have ever heard a local rapper really go into detail like that and right. really talk about somebody who is seemingly close to them. There, you know what I mean? In terms of they come up, 
But like, I don't know if we're gonna get more tracks like this in the near future. Not seeing from Southside, but just in general. Hell, I don't even know if Soka artists will have to do something like that, right? Like, anybody, anybody, anybody remember when 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 I were take shots at at Rachel Price? She belly, she bam bam, she bam bam, she belly. I was like, right. this cheap shot at she. You know what I mean? Like, right. this is how right. we approach beef down here. But dude, exactly. just be real, just be honest, and just see what happens I, from there. That's all. I'll, I'll, I have a slight prediction of of. You know, rap beefs might flare up. I don't think it'll get like anything too serious or anything like that, but it have a couple of predictions, and I think a couple of them might involve Mike himself. But again, I don't know. I speculated. It involves, let's just say, it involves a scam. <laughs> again, completely <laughs> know what that means. Um, and you know, it involves something along those lines. And it's again, it's people I like, all friends. So That's it's like. <laughs> That's why I know that's someone that impact you more than me. Cause I, like I say, I just know two of the players involved. That's all. I just talk to them, and that's it. <laughs> but you see these people, you see them perform and whatnot, and do the thing. Yeah. Oh, the thing is, I would like to. Yeah, the thing is, is how we go play on good. I just have, I just happen to be in the middle of this somehow. This is not my design. Dude, try to get out of that. Try to get out of that position. Eh? No, not really. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just play. I, I just play. Yeah. yeah, but no, it, it, I do think it might happen. It's gonna be, it's gonna be funny because at the same time, because I had to say, look, guys are supposed to just hit, hit your honest now. So it's like, well, kind of, that's a fact, though. You know, all facts. And yeah, sorry, Phil is all facts. I, mm. as far as I know, it's all facts. We'll, we'll find out if the, the, the prevailing party has a response or not. And I would love to hear one. Um, it'll be fascinating. The nice one half of this. Yeah. Um. Again, again, you know, yeah, you have half the story and the rest of it. Excellent yeah, job. For real, for real. All right, now we get to the second half of the album, right? So we pause for a drink, as the title suggests. Well, this is how I, I saw it. He takes a yeah. pause from the subject matter, the first half, and, you know, he's being witty, he's being braggadocious. I love the yeah. jazzy, laid back, and catchy right. as hell. Because of, that, because of this, is it is my favorite track in the album. Um, All right. Just, just yes, that beat alone. Yeah. The beat, the beat, beat alone. That jazz beat is perfect. Um, and I don't know for me, it kind of reminds me of like early MF Doom production, because right, it, you know, with the movie samples, and it has this eighties vibe. Like I can't pick up on it, yeah. but it's something eighties about the beat itself it's, or it's, the, well, the, the it's music. saxophone or something like that just played in the yeah. background. Yeah, but and it just sounds like some freaking... like from some eighties love song or something. But it just it's works, just, so it works. Yeah. 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 Um. But I, yeah, I really love this beat here. It it fits snugly over Mike Wise's um wordplay, and for me, right. this is like the cool down after like the the heaviness, right? Of the confessional filled, and yeah, it's just a dope track. Right. And this is the track I would I would love to hear Professor. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah, yeah, yeah. to hear Professor. Like seriously, they, if they could if they could get that together and and make out a remix to this, this is such an excellent. And to me, this would have fit with Prof. And another thing is that I remember I mentioned the accenting. Yeah, the accent style fits fits quite well with the beat now, and it will yeah. flow perfectly with that. And that, again, I that just my two cents. I'm not, not a producer. I'm just the guy who could press buttons behind a camera. Uh, but <laughs> I would, I'd have really loved to hear Professor on this and make this work. And the, again, the the, the accent slang and twang slipping in um, works quite quite well for this as well. Uh, and yeah, again, I my, again my position in, on the accent thing is that. It matters, but it's garnish. You know, it you have to have the meat and potatoes of good lyrical flow and just good lyrics, period, and just good style before the accenting. If you could happen to put the accenting in, 
do it. But if you can't, don't do it. That is my yeah, attitude. I, about. I agree. Just, just so be you, natural and just flow. That's that's what it's about. It's not yeah, soca, right? Just about flow. That. It's words. Bars, son. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and even even the documentary made a whole big big issue about it now. Um, that we watched right. uh, about um, to, um, to, to an island seed, by the way. Right. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I I remember we had that argument with the dude in the taxi. Yes, yes. Remember that shit? And I was like, wow, this man is like the kind of the worst kind of culture gatekeeper bullshit on Because he had yeah. no problem mis- dismissing great talent because of that accent. Yeah, yeah, I was like, but you like totally missed the point though. And I absolutely hated that kind of post, that kind of mindset. So it's mm. like, well. No, it's, it's, the, it's a slight critique. I get it. I get why somebody won't like it, but it don't matter. In pause for a drink, it works. Like, how, how we just do it. And by the way, this is the track I listen to the most when it comes to, I guess, generally listening to music, jogging, whatever it is. That's yeah. the track I just listen to. You no know, that, that actually makes, it would make for good jogging music. <laughs> just got the tick of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's yeah. fantastic. Like, it, it between, like, you know, big big album tracks. I'll only listen, like, two or three tracks in an album all, all over, right? So for me... Um, like in 444, I listen to Kill Jay Z, I listen to Marcy Me, and then listen to um, um, Family Feud. That's like my two tracks. All the All other right. tracks look heavy for me, right? Okay. Right. But in terms of Kill Jay Z, Marcy Me, and and, uh, and Family Feud, those are the tracks I could enjoy just listening to normal. Yeah, and, it, it, and just of the beats alone, right? Like especially beats, especially right. um, Family Feud. Right. And in this yeah. album, this album is is the same thing. It's it's you know short stuff. Um, Phil and Paul Swadrick is even two tracks. I'll sit down and say, Hey, that's my tracks, and I, I really thoroughly enjoy it. Um, okay. this is learning, yeah. I have to listen yeah. to it. So, favorite track on, my, on this album for me, uh, love it. Um, Phil is a brilliant track, but Phil is still lyrics and reminding you of, um, yeah, is the brutal reality of things, you know, right. yeah, but by this point, you can just kind of rock back to which, yeah, right. Paul Swadrick is. And I still like Phil for the beat itself. But I had to turn my brain off of Phil, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Uh, this, this is the one I enjoy. And I would love to hear if they do have pause for drink remix with Profess. Um, and that's what I thought it would have been like, pause for drink would have been a perfect follow-up to something like Angostura. No? Um, mm-hmm. If you think about it, because Angostura, in my opinion, is such a great track um, with, with Profess and Mike just talking about, you know, life and, and you know, over drinks, <laughs> over an Angostura. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, nice about it. So the next track we have is Twist, right? And yeah. basically the laid back vibe of Post Frederick um, continues here. The song is two minutes, but you know, the beat, which I love, it, I don't know, for me, <clears throat> for me, it sounds like, you know, the music that you'll hear in a scene from like some kind of French noir film, like yeah. that takes place like in a nightclub and they have some chick, you know, and stays singing and you do hear some gorgeous female vocalizing here. Um, and of course, you hear those impeach the president drums that never get old. So I had to yeah. listen to this track again. I was like, oh, that's what you're talking about. You smart motherfucker. You. Okay, right. So basically, he, he takes the, the iconic twist from M. Night Shyamalan's Sixth Sense to basically yeah. say that, spoiler alert, he can see and hear dead rappers and musicians. So he calls out yeah. Big L, Big Pun, Notorious B.I.G., and Bob Marley, right? And yep. th- these, these artists pretty much inspire him to be a great MC. Um, I like that in the first verse, he says that in case of Biggie, you know, there's the state of mainstream hip-hop today, you know, bubblegum rap. Biggie is turning, turning over in his grave, basically. So he's yeah. literally, his body has left the grave, basically. I, I thought that was a really funny moment. Um, but this is like a short, but very clever, very sharp, very well thought yeah. track. And it's one of those tracks, it's like, Phil, you had to go back and listen to again, just to make sure you fully understand what's going on. But I would say... Yeah. 
uh, if you was listening carefully from the very beginning, that M. Night Shyamalan interview clip that opens, yeah. and yes, the please, back at the end, that's a dead giveaway right there. If you pick up yeah. on it, it'll be like, oh, that's what it's about. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. one of the smartest tracks on this album. I love this track. Uh, your thoughts on Twist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, again, the track was a little too short for my liking. Um, I could have done with an extra minute this, or so. Of, yeah, uh, right. Just a minute of, of, uh, of music. Right, yeah, some material, just an extra to But yeah, again, I, I kind of piece together. It's like, oh yeah, that is M. Night. All right, cool. Okay, twist. All right, all right, all right, all right I get it. Um, it's, it's a, you know, the old internet joke anyway. Though. So, um, yeah, solid track. But I don't know, for me, it was just, I, I kind of pulled down from Pulse for a drink because I just enjoyed that track so much. Um, but yeah, great track because of the clever play on it. But I would like a little more from it. That's the only reason, because it's so short now. Yeah. It doesn't stick out if it was longer. Yeah. Right. So, second to last track we have is Cobra Chooks. Featuring yes. a guy named Polo. I've never, the first time I hear him, by the way. Um, so for me, as a fan of like grimy, neck snapping, screw your face hip hop, um, this song is right up my alley, Jared. Um, Polo is the second rapper to appear on this album here, and he and Mike Wise just basically ripped this track to shreds with one bar after the next. So um, I love how Polo like kind of intentionally switches from, you know, the traditional American vocal style to like the Trini colloquial twang. So like when he says, switching up my axes like I'm in an outer Hyundai film. I was like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So is he self-awareness of his... That's what um, I like about that I really like, though. And uh, all props also, too, because he's basically like in the like in half of the song itself, though. Like he makes yeah. up the first half of the track. So he's given a lot of time, basically, to say what he has to say. But uh, Mike Wise steals his show with a fiery second verse. It has way too much quotables for me to mention here. So I'll just mention a few. Um... Taking you to tax, bruh, in certain circles. I done mixing. You would think I'd taken it to master. Um, yeah. Another one that I really like was Dedication to What's Pure. That's what the song said. Ironic, I's an animal, but I still, I, I still am the South vet. Yeah. So, overall, hard fucking track. Fuck with the song. I have nothing else to say about this. What's your thoughts on yeah. Cobra Chokes? Yeah, uh, great track as well. Again, I didn't know enough about Polo. Um, to say, oh, this is a reference or anything like that. I just don't know the dude. Um, right. I probably I would like to meet. I probably meet him in person and then forget. You know, that's that's how scatterbrain I am, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, that, that real solid, sad. <laughs> yeah, and, and, but really solid, uh, solid, great track, great, great um, build off of how twists and the, again, my Christ is uh, very, very, very conscientious in terms of how what tracks he selects and where what you're listening to when. Yeah, yeah. Um, as we talked about with our reviews of Aquemini and um, Volume 2, Adnock Life, he yeah. is always aware of sequencing. He's always aware of where songs fit within the album. Yeah. And you could yeah. see that greatly here, you know, how it starts off, you know, with the grim subject matter. You know, there's the little pause, as we say, the little commercial breaks, the little jazzy stuff. And then he just goes in with the, with the heavy, you know, with the grimy hip hop here with right. Cobra Chokes. Yeah, and it builds some twists really, really well. So it's intelligent decision-making from that standpoint. And yeah, it's, it's a great track. Yeah. So final track we have is Hoots to Say, which features John John. I'm actually familiar with this guy. He collaborated with um, with Chromatics. I remember him um, with the song video that he did called Cold-Blooded, with his first Cold-Blooded. But anyway, right? Yeah. So um, he is the R&B crooner on this, um, on this track here. And... Yeah. The beat itself, it's very melancholy, but it's very beautiful as well. Very luxurious, I should say. And um, I like, well, basically, this, on this track here, Mike Wise basically rapping about pouring out his, his deepest and the most feelings to 
Well, in the first verse is really to the world, like to his fans, his listeners and whatnot. And then in the second and third verses, he's talking about a girl that eventually left him and a loved yeah. one who passed away. Um, as the title suggests, you know, for him, it hurts to say what he has to say, but it hurts even more if no one hears it. That yeah. that hook alone just connected with me now. Because, you know, that's something I could always, I, I constantly, re- I can relate to and I constantly think about as well, you know, just being able to put yeah. out, even like, the, even like this podcast that you, you listen to right now, and then asking yourself, like, who's going to listen to it? Is anybody going to care about that? You know what I mean? So, what I love about this track is that it's basically like an emotional take on the, one of the major themes of the album, which is, once again, question of putting yourself and your talent out there, even if nobody, quote-unquote, listens, right? So, for me, this was like a solid closer to the album. And, yeah, truly fitting way to end this project, man. I love that yeah. it stays, it, it stays um, in tune with what the message or, you know, the topics and themes that the album was addressing here. But, like I say, in this case, it's more from an emotional, heartfelt um, approach. So... Really great way to end off this um this this album here. Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts on Hoots? Hoots, Yeah, surprisingly, again, I didn't expect such a personal track from him um, coming forward. Um, this was, well, it's another John John work. I forget the track that John John and him did before. Um, I want to say When It's Over. It, it, yeah, it's... It had one where they were shooting in Port of Spain. It had a video in Port of Spain, everything in black and white. Right. Um, I think it's, that was the other follow-up. And he did a bunch of other work with John John all over. Um, but yeah, another another solid, solid, great track. I, again, I didn't, you didn't expect something so um, personal and and you know um, powerful. Frankly, um, it, it really, really works as a track. Again, a nice end of it, as they say, good, good send off as a track. And again, we're living in the age where we don't have to do too many album um, tracks. Eight tracks, perfect. Yeah, eight tracks. You know, perfect. It's concise. And that's Nothing well, just just to get to my final thoughts on the album. Um, I love how concise it is, how consistent it is. You know, from top to bottom, there is no fact, there's no filler in this album at yes. all. Um, you know what I mean? Everything is just straight to the point. Um, I think Phil still is one of the best, is the best track on the album because of just how personal and real and just confessional it is, you know, just to a shocking level, you know what I mean? And this is like, you know, just a bass set in terms of, of local rap, you know what I mean? I would love, I love yeah. to, to hear more confessional tracks like that. But uh, from other artists, I should say. But other than that, though, uh, the production is solid from top to bottom. Um, lyrics, you know, potent. Um, you know, wordplay potent as well. You know, if you decide that like real picky about oh, are they switching accents and stuff? Don't even worry about it. It's not even about that. It's just yeah. about the bars and just what, just the just the just the consistency of these bars as well. Um, so in short, yes, this is one of the best hip hop projects. I've heard all year, and just the mere fact that it comes from Trinidad just makes me feel proud to be a Trini right now. Like, this is the level that we could put into our music right now, you know what I mean? Yeah. No more just putting out tracks and saying, oh, well, that's the song for the, for the carnival, or that's the song for the year. No, you could actually put out projects, full projects, and it could work. So right. yeah, let, let that be a lesson to you artists out there. So for me, this gets a light four and a half out of five stars. This is going to be yeah. in my list for best um, hip-hop projects of the year. So... Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna put the well. This is the last thing I'm gonna say. I'm gonna put the link to the, the album below. But please, please, please check it out. You don't have to be a Trini. You don't have to be um, just just a lazy hip hop head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just definitely give this album a listen. You will not regret yeah, it. And, and yeah, as I say, well, he, you know, hopefully by now, well, by the time this album, uh, by sorry, by the time this podcast is out, uh, it'll. He, uh, for one, understand he's supposed to be putting it on iTunes and um, title and nice, nice, it. nice. 
yeah. and I'll work there. It's it's for it's five US. That's like really simple. <laughs> yeah, go buy. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually gonna buy it as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I want to give it a few more listens and then be like, all right, yes, I'm gonna buy this for sure. Yeah. I already picked it up myself. I was like, yeah, cool. This is something I'm listening to all the time, right? through. Um, I uh, yeah, as I said, I mentioned this in the beginning. I think this is nothing short of a local masterpiece. Um, yes. really, like. Mike Wise always had great work, but I really, he really outdid himself with this. Um, really, really great, great lyrical work, great conscientious material. It's very, very self-aware. That's what I like about it. Um, it's him just, you know, a lot of forethought went into this one. I don't, I, at no point I get the feeling that he just kind of half-assed this and, oh, it was a lot of just well-designed, conscientious rap. I, and I was like, what made this work for me again as well? I didn't expect it so soon. I was expecting this sometime after carnival <laughs> yeah um, yeah it was just it was just really really well done um yeah, yeah. i get this one a nine or ten um next nice for nice me. nice uh, just had a couple of yeah again as you say yeah, as you mentioned a little, little issues in the in the in some of the the production like with the stuff with professor little, little nitty bullshit things here here or there um but just you know so well done again let's get this man a, a goddamn contract no no goddamn please <laughs> this, please please guys oh, you know keep, keep us yeah. out there come on Give, give yeah, this guy a blind now, please, please, please. Yeah, no, excellent, excellent wolf from Mr. Nicholas Mike Wise Dobson. Um, well done, good sir. Yeah, man. Um, keep doing your thing, Mike Wise. So, you know, from the hostility podcast to you know the um to, to your musical pro uh, to your music projects, you know, keep grinding, keep hustling, keep doing what you're doing, man. You know what I mean? And yeah, you will be eventually Trinidad's finest, man. Oh, I should say you already are, man. You already are. All right, so now we're going to get into some movie stuff here. So first, I will be talking about uh, a documentary um, called Won't You Be My Neighbor? So it's directed by Morgan Neville, who um, his, well, his film, 20 Feet from Stardom, which was a pretty good documentary. Um, it was about um, backup singers for, you know, famous, you know, um, soul singers from like the 70s and whatnot. Um, that was more runner up for, for best documentary feature for, you know, the awards, for the 86 Academy Awards. And I was rooted for the act of killing because that was just such a powerful, yeah. gut-wrenching documentary. Yeah. And they actually gave it to 20 feet from Salem. I was like, all right, well, they gave it yeah. to the safer film. Okay. I guess, whatever. But the act of killing is still, yeah. you know, a masterpiece. Uh, although it's a movie that I can't watch again because it just, yeah. I don't know, it's just like the equivalent <laughs> of just having your stomach being, like, knitted for the course of, yeah. like, two and a half hours. Like, I just you felt know? bad after watching that shit. Like, I just felt sick, right? Um, as as many um, viewers did, but yeah, overall his movie won you know best documentary feature. I was like, all right, cool. Um, kind of wrote it off and moved on with my life. But you know, here he comes with this film here, and um, this is about the um, the TV show host Fred Rogers. He had a yeah. show called Mister Rogers Neighborhood, which I never grew up on because we never had that show in Trinidad. You know, we yeah, that's a show that kind of came before my time. Uh, a little before my time. When did it first year? It was like it a little aired in the. It's more or less in the mid sixties that it came out, and it ran right. to about um about roughly two thousand two thousand one. That's when the, the right. last episode was aired, right? Okay. Um, so yeah. yeah, but you know, like guys like me, my, my myself and Ricardo, you know, us being trade audience, we grew up on you know um stuff like Square <laughs> One and. Um, was right yes. and Sesame Street as well, but we were not introduced to Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. We did have a couple of like copycat ones, like we had one called Mr. Dress Up. I think that was like either a British or Australian production. You know, we had right. copycats, right? Which is basically 
nice guy comes into to the studio it looks like a little home you know he has the the hand puppets that talk to him that come out of little corners and whatnot and ask him questions about you know yeah. stuff that kids would want to know be you know what to be inquisitive uh, that are inquisitive about and in this case with his stance here um well basically his life story kind of come um, starts off with him wanting to be uh, a pastor you know he wanted to be ordained by the church but instead he saw the power of television at the time and, you know at the time like in the 50s te- you know television was growing you know um stuff like outer limits and twilight zone and all those stuff were big so basically it was those tv stations like nbc and cbs trying to get people basically trying to get families to stay inside and watch films yeah. as opposed to going out and watching the the big you know um yeah. Ten pole movies, you know, I mean the big epics like Ben Hur and whatnot, right? So it was around that era that he was really intrigued by television. Um, so he started off the show, you know, it was a little rickety at first, a little rugged, a little rough. But then throughout the course of like the late sixties, he decided to grow. And his approach basically was just simply trying to get basically talking to kids, not talking down to kids. Not like you being older and knowing so much more about life and being jaded and cynical. And trying to instill that to you, trying, trying to, trying to, you know, guide your kids on the right path, but still having that mature, you know, cynicism about about yourself and about life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he brought it down to kids level and talked to them like, yeah, I'm a, I was a kid before. I know how it is. Um, I know how hard life is. I know how weird and confusing things are. But I'm telling right. you that you are special. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. There's something genuinely special about you, and you should always be. You should always remember that. You should always feel proud about it. And even if yeah, you don't remember that, I will always be reminding you that with each and every episode. Yeah, that's one thing. That's one thing, Mister Rogers always, um, you know, learn and, and you can say kind of was probably freaking is that yeah, don't talk, don't talk down to children. Children are smart. They understand deep ideas and concepts. Um, yeah. it's, it, it's not. It's not trauma or edginess to talk about death with children. There's nothing about exactly. You can talk about children. I'm um, yes. sorry, you can talk about that or something serious with children, um, even the inevitability of these things and whatnot. And, yes. you know, during, during the time and when the show kind of came on its own, which was just the breakdown in trust in the American institution around the time when the show came on its own. Now. You know, this is when stuff, civil rights started happening and, you know, Nixon and the Vietnam War and all of this, all this shit. Now. And, yes, yes, yes. You know, it was a perfect time for a guy like him to come through and say, look, you know, yeah, things changing, but it's not, no, no succumb to, you know, not a time to succumb to nihilism. And don't worry, don't worry about it in that sense. You know, yes, bad things happen, but you have to, you can push on and move up and handle it, right? And yes. he, perfect for that. Um, yeah. Many weeks. So, this, uh, this was this was something about the show that um, I did not honestly know about or didn't know too much about, because yeah, he he was aware of you know things that were going on. So like in one powerful scene, he um, he addresses you know um, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. You know he has yeah. one of his hand puppets. Um, I forgot the name of it. Um, Daniel, I think it is. Um, basically, which later on they kind of reveal it's basically his yeah. himself kind of projected onto that hand puppet. Right, it's one of his popular ones. But it's basically yeah. him as a child asking all these questions. And this one powerful scene, he's um, talking to. Uh, this woman who is like a co-star in the show and she, he, the, he asks through the hand puppet, what is assassination? What does that mean? And you know, it's yeah. just basically talking about, well, GFK's, you know, uh, assassination. Um, another powerful scene, you know, he talks about, um, you know, the body civil rights movement as well, you know, like, um, like this, this like piece of archival footage that honestly got me so angry, right? Where is, um, as actual real case that happened, 
where you know um, both white and black um, well kids or teens whoever were bathing in this um, in the swimming pool. And the guy who owns the pool basically came with some bleach and was just throwing it in the water. He just wanted to get the black black kids out. You know what I mean? And yeah. in this simple little scene that he did. So he has this uh, co-star, um, this black guy who could really sing, right? And he plays the, the role of this uh, policeman, right? So in this little simple scene is just Mr. Rogers just wetted his feet in this small little pool. You know, you know these uh, small little inflatable pools, you know, like that. And it's just like, you know, what you're doing? It's just like, well, it's making warm and, you know, just wet my feet. If you like to, you could come and do it. You, know, you, could, you could join me. And it's like, cool. And just these two guys, you know, black and white, just wetting your feet in this pool. And, you know, and I imagine that as a kid, that is just such a powerful message. It's just as a human being, you know, that is just a powerful message. You know what I mean, simple, but it just says so much. Um, and just going into deeper into the story, what, I, what really fascinated me was how he was able to take you know, topics that are going on in, 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 um, in society like from the 70s go up and address it in such a way that, yes, a kid would understand that. You know what I mean? Um, even there's a point in the 70s where he kind of got a little tired of doing the show and then he broke out and decided to do more of like a mature take on it. So he's talking to adults now. So he went to like correctional facilities and talked to prisoners. Yeah. He just learned so much about them, but then eventually he went back and did it for, for kids. And this was around the time of the 80s. And his reason being is because he just felt that, you know, TV shows or at least shows that were catered to kids were just too loud, they were too noisy and kind of, well, quote-unquote, violent. Um, I love this, this little montage that, you know, for every era, the shows just how TV changed. So you see, like, Justice Friends, sorry, um, Super Friends, sorry. Um, and yeah. then in the 80s, you would see Transformers, you know, just how... Just how the landscape of television did change and how kids kind of just got attached to newer stuff now. But his, right. in his case, he was, and, and one great scene, he was talking about, well, this is like a popular issue, you know, especially with kids. Um, Superman. And kids wanted to be Superman to the point that they'll tie um, blankets around their necks and, you know, jump out of windows because they saw, it, they saw Superman do that, you know? And he literally did an episode where it's like, these things are not real kids, you know what I mean? I'm going to show you just how dangerous doing stuff like that, um, doing stuff like that is, you know what I mean? And I thought that was like a great moment. Um, he even goes, he even talks about like the, the, the challenger, you know, what happened with the challenger and how that just like shocked yes. America and how he approached, how he approached that actually was, was really, was really great as well. Um, and then it goes on to the 90s as well, you know, with the, the rise of stuff like Ren and Stimpy and more kind of adult-oriented cartoons. But in his case, he still wanted to be that one guy who was just like, all right, um, there's a lot of, like, damaging, scary stuff on TV. Here's what you could do. You could just turn off the TV, you know, just like a simple message to kids, right? Um, it goes on to the 2000s where he eventually, like, um, you know, filmed this final episode. And, like, right around the time when it ended... 9-11 happened, you know, and he was hesitant about coming back and talking about that. But, you know, he was one of the people that really spoke to, not just the kids, but just the families about it. And that was, like, always a strong message that he always had, you know, this, yes, times will get dark, but never lose sight of family, never lose sight of love and hope, you know what I mean? And yeah. today, that is just such a powerful message, you know what I mean? And this is what he carried on with, that, that was the, the message that he carried on with even to his death in 2003. I just look at it in 2018, like roughly 15 years after his death. Now, this really shows just how forward thinking he was, you know, but just how simple a message that is and just how relevant it is in today's society. You know what I mean? 
yes, we see, we yes, we have gotten cynical over the years, you know, especially even with TV shows and what, even cartoons and all, even children's shows have gotten cynical over the years and whatnot. You know, that's yeah. inevitable. But in his case, it's just, you know, love is, you know, just a powerful feeling, a powerful emotion. You must never lose sight of that. Never lose sight of family. Always be there for your family, even when times are rough. And that's just such a powerful message. So, um, as far as the documentary goes, it's very, very well told. And the music, which is more piano-driven, um, a little classical music as well, because um, Yoyoma actually is one of the interviewees here, because they did collaborate. They did have a uh, episode together, and you know it was really fascinating to see him talk about um, Fred Rogers, um, the black guy, the the the, uh, the policeman who was there. He actually reveals that he was gay, and you know it was at a time where you know coming out of the closet was just so taboo. It was a TV as well, but they just kind of approach it where like behind the scenes, you know Fred uh, understood that he you know he he respected them and loved them all the same, and in this one poignant moment, you know the guy you know breaks on and says well yeah fred is like my surrogate father because he was like one of the few people one of the first people i ever revealed this the secret you know this um the secret about myself too you know so yeah, yeah there are lots of like heartbreaking just heartwarming moments in this too and i would say that if you if you if you cry easy this this one will just leave you like in tears by by the by the yeah. end of this film um i didn't break down or anything like that but there are some moments genuine you know, um, swear to God, where I, I almost broke down. I almost broke down into tears, way because just it's just how simple you know this me- these messages are, you know, and just how they connect. Apart, just just stick with the film as well. Um, the interviews were great. You know, you see Fred's family, you see his um, his sons, you see uh, well his widow, uh, you see a couple of the people who work behind the scenes who are both on set and off screen um, talk about him. And you know they just paint this just this fascinating um, um, portrait about this guy. You know there was nobody who said that you know he was garbage and he was terrible. You know he may be a little eccentric here or there, but you know he was he was real. You know, and that's that's one thing that this this show that's kind of debunks. That's this theory yeah. that oh on screen you're yeah, this this nice lovable guy, right. but behind the scenes yeah your Vietnam sniper or whatever. It's like no, because you know stuff like this you expect it. Oh well, he's really a secret pedophile or some bullshit like that. No. Uh, yeah. Like no, you you real shit. Especially in a time of the Me Too movement and whatnot. No. You think you know yeah. this is some big breakup thing? Because that happened in England. It's about a person who was basically the British Mr. Rogers who was a pedophile. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's that, 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 that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was it was that basically that. So you're thinking, oh, it's the same shit now. Oh, he's too nice and things. Like no, you really the real deal. Yeah. So what I was saying, closing though, is that um, well, while I haven't seen a lot of documentaries this year. Um, well, the, the majority I saw were like local based, but this is like the first documentary I've seen for the year. And hands down, this is one of the best I've seen uh, for the year. And this is one of the best movies of 2018. But uh, just because it hits you on such an emotional level, it's just the simplicity of this man and his messages and all that kind of stuff. Like, life wasn't perfect for him, of course, but you know, I mean, he had a life to deal with, right? But still, he stuck true to his messages, he stuck true to his mission statement, what he wanted to do, and how he wanted to you know, educate and inspire, you know, children, you know what I mean? And that that's just powerful, you know what I mean? And as a creative though, like that, that is in- inspirational to me, just thinking that, you know, um, you can, you can go in creating something, something pure, something that's true and see it inspire generations, you know, long after you pass away. And that, that's, that's great, you know what I mean? 
So um, yeah, this this is easily one of my top ten favorite movies of the year. Uh, you definitely yeah. need to check this out. This gets a light four and a half out of five for me. Um, I am rooted for this movie. Yes, Morgan Neville. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, it got through. Even though I still think the Aka Killing is a much better movie than right. uh, twenty, you know, twenty people start up. Um, but no, this one here, Won't You Be My Neighbor, is the real deal. I am rooted for this right now to win Best Documentary Feature. I don't know if I'll see any other great docs before the awards, but this is my pick right now. So yeah. this is definitely in my top ten for sure. You need to see this. Yeah. I guess you're gonna approach this more as a like a non diehard like this not the biggest uh Harry Potter fan like I am like like sorry like I'm not the biggest um diehard fan of Harry Potter or the universe anyway so I know you are just the same way as me. So your viewpoints of it will be similar to mine, you know, like we can't we obviously can't approach it as Oh, this is because this is how it was in the book and all that kind of stuff. Because yeah. we we just not big fans of the of the franchise. But anyway, uh, what 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 are your thoughts on um the crimes of Grindelwald? Alright, so before I start, uh-huh. I completely believe that these people, and this is very frustrating about these two films. This is Grindelwald, and then um the first one, the one in New York, I forget the name. The first Fantastic Beasts, right? Yeah, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Right, the first one. It completely squandered the premise of this fucking thing. Just think about that for a second. What I wow. wanted... No, seriously. Why is it that they're going back with more politics bullshit? Why? Right? What I wanted is magical wild thornberries. That's what they're supposed to be. You have Newt, who's supposed to be a naturalist, and that's kind of the running joke that he's a supernatural naturalist, because he's witchcraft and whatnot. Right. You have a reasonable sense of world expansion, because he would travel about the world... Looking for the Fantastic Beasts. Yes, in the title. <laughs> Thank you. And then, if anything, you have a crossover with anybody from the past, maybe you make it Hagrid. Because remember, Hagrid wasn't animals, right? Yes. Right? What you have is a little bit of Dr. Livingstone, a little bit of Jane Goodall, a splash of Steve Irwin, a dash of David Attenborough, you know, a little bit of um, Temple Grandin, you know, because, you know, the characters are kind of autistic anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's the story. Right? If you need a conflict, you know, have them deal with magical poachers or some bullshit like that. Right? Why all of this political convoluted crap? No one cares about that bullshit. 
Drop it and stick to the premise, please. Oh my god. That it does not seem hard to so I'll, I'll almost free to ask what, what the story, what the premise of this show is about. Uh, Alright, so what it really about is that they decide, all right, so they basically expand on remember in the last film, Colin Farrell character was really Johnny Depp, apparently. Right? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, right. Apparently, for some reason. And apparently he's some super wizard who is kind of like a proto, in a sense, a kind of proto Voldemort. Kind of. Right. At least ideologically. Because he's he believes in the same shit Voldemort believe in, which is superior magical Nazi shit, right? And oh. it's implied... Uh, God, this movie is so kind of dumb in its own way. So it's implied that group... Basically, while well, he was arrested at the last film, he's being transported. He escaped. And then he... Yeah, basically, as, as the trailer spoiled. Right, right. And basically, what did they have it is that... They explain why it is that, that um, Dumbledore can't fight him because... Okay, so J.K. Rowland make up some new bullshit for this. Because in the original... <laughs> wow. character, in the original Harry Potter, you had we call it, I forget the unbreakable curse or the unbreakable seal or something like that. Where if you make a, a bet with somebody that you can't do this, that to the other, if you break it, you die. In this one, they decide to make it well, it's a blood oath, so he can't fight him, but you could kind of break it maybe. And the blood oath is with um with the with him. And I well remember remember she said Dumbledore is gay in the in the last book. So it's implied uh -huh. that she gay they, he gay with um with Grindelwald. So that's why, because he love him, he can't fight him, and he made a blood oath back in the past. At least that's uh -huh. what you think. But okay. he decided to make a convoluted nonsense story. So, the, the, this, all of this, is, this take place in Paris, and they basically come to deal with um, Dumbledore, the, the magical, well, the magical police, I forget the name. They decide to come to talk to Dumbledore and say, okay, why you had to be connected to the fella, and, well, he's not really connected to the fella, this is why I do, so you get Basically, get new to do his dirty work for him. And that's basically the story. And they decide right. to put in a extra bullshit in it. Apparently, the snake that Dumbledore have is a real person, but have a curse or some disease or something like that. So they turn uh. into a snake. It's pointless. And <laughs> so, so what does all this have to do with Newt now? That's not right. why I want to do. What does all this have to do with him? It's a, it's a real flimsy excuse to bring back everybody from the first film. Um, the, the same girl who had... I, look, again, I like the actress, but she... She looked terrible in this, and I hate she. She that whole flapper look just look don't look good on she. Like the dress don't fit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a love story with the same love story from last time with the other magical her sister and the the human fella, the mortal, right, the, the, the maker guy. Um, right. I forget his name. Right. Forget actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, who's who's basically Jack Black, but not really Jack Black. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah. Basically, Newt have to solve the problem and take on the fella with with um. To, to deal with that, and that's it. That's the story. Just they had to barely stop him, and they, they end off with a cliffhanger, which he had to go to. And well, and then the big twist, Why? The, big, <laughs> the big twist is that they bring back. I don't know if you, I want to, if I, if I need to spoil it for you, but they bring back um, Ezra Miller because Ezra Miller relevant, but it inconsistent okay. with from what I understand. You're right, he's apparently related to Dumbledore, but it's really stupid. Uh this movie was a fucking, and I hated it. Now I'm not a Harry Potter fan. I'm, I'm about as, as much of a Harry Potter fan as I am a Star Wars fan. As in, it's so popular and it's controlling the, the, the cultural zeitgeist that you, you, you just absorb stuff by sheer osmosis. By just being yeah, around yeah. fans, seeing comments, hearing conversations, and you kind of could generally piece together, you know, the extra world building from it. And, yeah, okay, uh, well, well, just to submit it for a bit. So, I, I'm, I'm in the same vein as you. Like, yeah. I never got to read the reading books because I'm um, a certain somebody, I'm not going to call her by name, Never bothered to lend me any books, but she was quick right. to tell me, oh, well, read, read this part, read this page, see what happened, see what happened to Dumbledore. And I was like, right. all right. 
But I stuck to the movies. I particularly liked it, liked from Goblet of Fire go up because things got right. darker and more serious. And right. I actually like the the ending, you know. Um, oh gosh, the last two films, you know, the part one and part two. Like, uh, yeah, I, I actually love those, right? But that's as far as my liking and understanding of the franchise goes. Yeah, for me, the, the books, even though I don't really care for the first two movies, um, I think they're still very well-realized films. Um, yeah, they do excellent world-building, and they build that up for the world. And I, I, well, my personal favorite in the franchise is the third film. Um, that third film is very, very good. It, it started to get dark, it, good, good direction. And then the fourth film had great world-building as well. Didn't care for the fifth one, didn't care for the sixth one, uh, but still solid. And then the last one, I thought the last one, the last one, the first part of the last one, I really liked. That's... Um, okay. It was nice build up, but I find it was a little too much of build up. But that's why I like right. the second half because it was just action and excitement. Right. You know? All right, right. Okay, so I, I'm in the camp that believe it should have been one big movie, but whatever. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, whatever. My opinion don't count. Um, right. I, so when I heard they had, they're doing Fantastic Beasts, I was like, all right, well, you're going to do prequel stuff. But they, they decided to half ass it by, by saying, all right, well, they do prequel stuff, but not really. And again, Again, all they had to do is just do the magical wild thornberries thing, and that would have been fine. But no, they decided to put more extra stuff. And because Newt is this kind of halfway side character, but not really, it don't work at all. Nothing in this movie works for me, personally. It's way too fucking long. It, again, here's one of the big problems with it. Because in, the, in Harry Potter, every, all the characters are children, all of these silly names and, and silly world building stuff works because there's a bunch of kids. But now you have yeah. a big hat man walking around in your hair and these, these goofy-ass names, you know? <laughs> like, like, are you fucking serious, Jared? Yeah, I'm, like, I don't know, tonally is a total mess. Like, I get it might have hardcore Harry Potter fans who are into this, but, yeah, I was just I was just really disappointed in this mess, Jared. Like, uh, I, I what, barely... what, what, about, what about the performances? Well, especially Johnny uh, Depp's. I heard his role was kind of controversial because of the whole domestic violence stuff. And right. Well, I, I don't care about that. I didn't bring that into the film because now, like, you know, it's like, whatever, who cares? Like, I don't care at that point with, with, with stuff like that. No. Um, because if them willing to accept it and everybody kind of just acting as if it don't happen, then who am I, right? I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to be angry with somebody else. Um, in this, he was fine. He was, he was fine, I suppose. I mean, it's Johnny Depp. He's still a good actor. Um, of course. You know, he's trying to do serious roles, but, you know, again, Johnny Depp can't do too serious. Because remember, he played Whitey Bulger and it fell flat. Mm-hmm. And... And then he, he did, um, maybe he did the, the movie. That, that is a movie we haven't seen yet. I thought we would have seen it by now, but I think it got pulled from theaters where he's supposed to believe the cop who investigated Tupac, well, Biggie's murders or Tupac murders. I forget which one. Right. Um, I forgot it, the, the title for that. Yeah, uh, come and go on. But he, he tried to do serious roles. So in this, he said, all right, well, you want to do your fantasy bullshit, but he had to do a dark fantasy role. He, it not, he, not, he not particularly menacing, but again, Ray Fiennes wasn't particularly menacing for me either, so whatever. And... Again, it was fine. The only person who stood out for me was um, Jude Law. He was pretty good as Dumbledore. I thought he was actually pretty good. Okay. Um, yeah, he didn't. I don't know how much time. Well, how much time is this was a good, but ever he, he actually felt like Dumbledore. He's still a cool cross. He's still a cool character, cool customer. That's kind of the whole point of Dumbledore is that he kind of headed the ahead of the curve in many ways. Yeah. Very smart dude. Um, uh, uh, well, I, well, I remember. I remember that that same that same friend that I mentioned earlier. Not really liking the, the the choice to cast him as as Dumbledore is like he don't look like he, he like he doesn't the dress or sorry not the dress his his um his clothing didn't look like Dumbledore. There's nothing about yeah, him that I, screams I Dumbledore. 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 Dumbledore get old well, well when he get old he started wearing mumuna so yeah, you know, yeah of course right, right. I didn't care, I didn't really he had, care about that yeah 
he was, he was in the head of everything just yet. He was just now coming up in terms of the ranks and pause. He always respected. And they did that quite well, I thought. Again, because of Jude Law. Jude Law is a pretty good actor, in my opinion. I'm pretty, course, excited yeah. to, pretty excited to see him in, in Captain Marvel. Uh, you know, I want to see him in that. But in this, um, again, we call him, um, well, uh, Newt himself, I've got to forget the actor name. Um, he was fine because they're doing the whole he kind of goofy, little autistic and really show going on there. That works to some level because of the nature of the character. Again, again, if he was interacting with animals, it would have made sense. But because right. he's in political bullshit, I don't care. I do not care. Speaking Everybody of else which, was speaking of which, um, are there any, are there any fantastic beasts in this movie at all? Right. They put in a couple, like they introduced. Well, they do. They, they had the bad guys using some fantastic beasts as well. So it's, it's they introduced. I think a couple, and I was like, well, I barely remember the names. And again, because the movie wasn't about them, it should have more, or at least it could have a bigger focus on one. It wasn't really about them. And because they decided to do the... Well, okay, you could say Ezra Miller's one. Because remember, they mentioned that in the first one, right? But they did a big reveal involving him and Dumbledore. It's like, well, I don't care. Right. Um, this one gets CC it. Just gets straight CC it. Whatever. I don't hate this. I don't hate it as much as I should. But seriously... And it's supposed to be the second part of our next, our, another five film franchise. Please Lord. get to the fantasy, please. Just talk about the animals. Make it about exploration. Do uh, uh you know, what you could do, you could do the the whole, you know, eighty, you know, a hundred, um, with this around the world in eighty days. You could do that shit. You could do something like that. Where right. it's just exploration. A little Doctor Livingstone. A little something, something with exploration. This was just a waste of my fucking time. It doesn't really feel like a waste of my fucking time. And it's no, like, I'm, I'm, I'm saying because it's the franchise, though, you know, the level that that franchise set. Like, I'm not saying all of the movies are masterpieces, but there's always, like, some conscientious level of, all right, great storytelling, great world-building, great characters. We stick into what the story is about. We're not going to bore people. We're going to have fun with it. You're going to come out and entertain. And I'll just say in reviews, saying that this, this one just, like, dropped the ball. Right. But you see, again, this, this audience is interesting, and I want to compare this to something like The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is a film that's very controversial. Like, I will imagine it if I was a bigger Star Wars fan, I'd probably not like The Last Jedi. But because I'm not a Star Wars fan, and I'm not into this as much, I just enjoyed what I watch on screen. Same right? here. Same here. Same here. That's how it felt. That's where my take is. I'm not going to defend the film and so-called hard logic and whose plan was doing what and where. I didn't care. It worked. They could have done, yeah. But with this... I just didn't enjoy what I watched. And again, I don't think about it, you know. So if I was, if I was a Harry Potter fan, I'd, have, I'd have probably really fucking hate this too. And that's why I had to try to think about it. I wanted to see more of the world. Let us see Africa. Let us see China. Let us see South America. Where the stuff does work. Do the world building. Let us see what other magic does look like. Remember in Harry Potter 4, we get to see what, well, a little glimpse of what France and Russia looks like or feels like in terms of magic. Yes, yes. Yeah. Give us that, please. Uh, whatever. Um, it's yeah. not a, it's, it, it really, you know, it's shaping up like, you see that, that Hobbit, those Hobbit trilogy, that bullshit. Oh, all right. Well, I, I, I would like call that. it that. I don't hate it as much, but, um, yeah. when the third one came out, well, just the bare fact that it was a trilogy was pointless because oh, two and three yeah. could have been one movie. Let's, let's be real yeah, here. That. It could have been one movie. Um, yeah. that second movie was the best out of the whole trilogy, in my opinion. F- first one was build up. Second one was, all right, cool. Dragon. You have Sherlock voicing them. Cool. Right. And then... Third one was, all right, we kill dragon, we have two hours to kill. Here's what, yeah. we have some some battle with elves and on, stuff. On and we should care about that. Nope, sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, but um, it's 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 a shame though. I mean, like I think in J.K. Rowling is gonna keep that momentum going, you know, that quality storytelling. <sighs> so you think she just she should just kind of kind of hang it up and quit or hire you know, someone to, to write for her? She's literally she's probably the rare case where she she killed herself. The suicide. I don't know what to call it. Suicide of the water, where she just like totally rehauled stuff in her own narrative. It's like yeah, but like okay. It's stuff that I don't mind or care about that much, but like, take for example, her mighty being black, apparently. Because as she says so, it's like, yeah, but if, it, if that was a problem, then why didn't have a worry? Why didn't make a big issue with the casting at the time? You know? Yeah. Stuff like that. Whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I don't care. Um, CC8. Move on. Next. Yes. Next. Yeah. All right. So, because the year is winding up and I, I had to catch up on some bad stuff. Because can't just be about good stuff all the time. I mean, I have a list of old stuff, so I'd I'd populate that list with something, right? So in this case, I chose Mile Twenty Two. By um, reason yeah. being is because I was just curious to see how bad this movie was. I mean, for one thing, this is the fourth the fourth collaboration between <laughs> Marky Mark, as you said at the beginning, and uh, director Peter Berg. Now, yeah. I say this one time, right? I thoroughly enjoy um, Lone Survivor. Thoroughly enjoy that. Really? Uh, totally enjoyed Deep Water, Deep Water Rise, both of which were movies I never oh, rewatched. Right? right? Yes, they I... were. They, yes, they were formulate. Yes, they were kind of cliche. Right. Yes, they were heavily reliant on Mark being front and center. But is right. the stories behind it? Is the is right. the emotion behind it that 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 really got to me? Especially with Lone so, Survivor. I think that one is way more effective than Deep Water right. Rise. Like Deep Water Rise I... has some nice visuals and stuff, and what happened was terrible. But it's really lone. That was that. That was a gut punch for me. Um, Patriots Day was there for us. Like, um, yeah, you hated it. I kind of watched. Like, yeah. all right, that was it. Okay. And then when you hear that, oh well, Mark's character was even really like, oh, but, was it point? Why? No, you know, you know, I hate about uh, Patriots Day. You know, piss about Patriots Day is that his character was not only pointless, but it brought down the film. Because if if they decided to connect the stories in a way without him, it would have worked. He not only was unnecessary, but it brought down the film. Like, I could understand, oh, it does need to connect it, but it's actually make the movie better. It's pop up the story somehow. It actually made the film worse. What the fuck? Yeah. And there were moments yeah. where the story was trying to cut the, um, talk, uh, touch on other characters, but nope, they always had to come back yeah. to Mark. Had to come back. He, he had that bum leg and stuff. Yeah. And he have a family and stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I, I generally forget what happened in that movie. <laughs> to be honest, like I don't know, I remember Lone Survivor and Deepwater Horizon more than Patriots Day. To be honest, but whatever. So I am, I am kind of like, like on the one hand, I, I kind of like their collaborations together. I could tell that there's some kind of chemistry involved. Although, in my, uh-huh. in my opinion, in my opinion, I think Mark just hooked it up with him because he just right. wants an Oscar win. He had an Oscar nom before with um with The Departed, played a character right. that that I, uh, I. At the first time I watched it, I, I didn't like at all because he was just so, you know, so evil there. But, that's, I just, but then when you realize that, oh, well, that's how the character is supposed to be. It's like, okay, I can't get it. He's, he, he's snarky because he's supposed, because he's written that way. Okay, cool. It's that Mark, Mark kind of projected himself. And um, right. like over the years, like I've seen, you know, other films from him. Like um, and one in particular, I'll copy it is Pain and Gain. Right. Um. That one slight return to form with um, with Michael B. I, that uh, yeah. I, I, I I wanted to like, but I just hated <laughs> Mark's character. He brought yeah. down that movie for me. I just hated everything about him. Everything yeah. about that man, I just hated. 
he spoiled the movie for me in my opinion. Yeah. No, no, the opposite pain again because it's exactly who he's supposed to be. Now. Like that's I thought it need kind of nail what up was like that should be like that. Um, Mark Wahlberg, that, but gosh, Mark Wahlberg, he was just, just so unlikable, boy. That's what I didn't like yeah. about about that movie. Yeah. But it, Mark Wahlberg for me is just somebody who just again he just he just come across like one of those people who just do deserve this success. Uh, and I know I just usually say, I just try to not say that. It's like, yeah, whatever. It'd be, it'd like, just play out in such a way, you know, you deserve your success. But he just come across as such, such reward for mediocrity. And it's because it's a contrived crap. No, that's that why uh, Patriots, they kind of piss me off so much. No. And this is an example of that shit. Yes, yes. Oh, this and on the like subject that, of that, like, he, he's also in a movie that, that nobody asks for called um, Instant Family. Right. Why? No, why? <laughs> <laughs> I said it before. I said it before, and I said I'll say it again. How do how you just fuck up a movie with drama in it? I don't even. How do you fuck up a movie with drama in it? Thank you, Rama. I was like, well, wood. It's gonna be hard. And so, they fuck so, it up. So yes, folks. For so for for, for for those who don't. All right. So for those who don't know who Rama is, right? He is the protagonist in the still excellent the Raid Redemption and the Raid 2. Um, let me see if I get the name properly. It's Eco Uwais. U-W-A-I-S. Uh, forgive me if I got the pronunciation wrong. But yeah. Here's another, here's another thing that Hollywood need to cut the fuck out. You see wasting this dude in movies? Stop fucking doing it. You had him in Star Wars The Force Awakens. What the fuck? Why did yeah, he boy, have a like him? I hated what they do with him in that, in that show. Dude, off, Dread. Wow. Stop yeah, wasting boy. this dude. Anyway, like, all right, like he's not well established. I could say, oh well, cameo by like how they do with um Daniel Craig, because he's supposedly one of the soul troopers in that scene from Force right. Awakens. Yeah, yeah. No, that 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 part, yeah. right? It's it's alleged. I I can't really say it's true because I didn't stick around to read the credits, whatever, right? But oh gosh, man, you have this guy as a cameo, right? It's like it's like bringing in it's like bringing in um this guy from Ong Bak Dread, um Tony Ja, and saying, oh, you gonna yeah. just talk. Some kind of weird language, which is not Indonesian, or maybe like an offshoot of that, and then be swallowed by a gigantic alien, and that's what you're gonna do because you're Tony Jalik. Like, come on, don't do that to to, to Ico, though. Ico, yeah. right? But anyway, so yeah. what is this story about? Ah, boy, what is this story about? All right, so we introduced this strike team, right? The co the the code name is Overwatch, right? As usual, yeah. the, the the public don't know about them. They admit their secret. You know what I mean? They move behind the, the scenes. Yeah. What's that? The Murphy and McCree and them all. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, yeah, like, I, I'm sorry. When I when I heard Overwatch, I was like, all right, like like the game, like your 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 could your could like rechange like change the like. Yeah, oh gosh, there's a game that exists called Overwatch. Come to man, that's why you do a script right 15 years ago. Like come to man, like. Like the game is, is exists. Come on, like do do a little bit more like work them anyway, right? So, of course, nobody knows who they are. And they're top secret, you know, government operation all that kind of stuff, right? And they try to establish just how high tech they are, right? So they're using drones, they're using you know um, surveillance cameras and all that kind of stuff, you know. And they just try to make them look like they've this like this well oiled unit now that they just move real um, efficiently there. Cool. So the intro itself, not bad, right? Um, right. Even though Mark, not yeah, even, they, 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 yeah, he does the with 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 the with the sniper rifle this week to put things happen, right? He doesn't really right. do anything, which kind of sucks. Whatever. Um, they also introduced the two members of the group, which just so happened to be uh, Alice, who's played by Miguel Laurie Cohan from The Walking Dead, who just yeah. recently left the the, the show, 
and how they do it was kind of dumb because she just kind of left and you never really see what happened to her. It's kind of like a, a mystery right now what, what happened to her character, but whatever. Um, and also Ronda Rousey, she's in it as well too. Uh, so she's like two of the, the like uh, main strike team members. They go in with the guns and in this case, they, they just kind of broke into this like suburban house. They had some like Russian guys involved, right? So essentially the story centers on... Um, some this something called cesium right and shipments of it like they, they overheard that there were some shipments of it right and um overwatch is trying to find define the cesium because once the if if it goes into the wrong hands they can use it you know um as explosives and you know the equivalent of like a little teaspoon of this you know the, the typical cliche right teaspoon of that could level three city right. blocks and blah, blah 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 right so the mission basically is to find the cesium so what happens is that they they, they, they find out through the grapevine um, and some convolutedness um, that the only the one person that knows about it just so happens to be Rama, right? So they go to Indonesia, they find him, and basically he kind of like well they they want him to to assist um, to help the U.S. government find the Caesar. Like he knows where it is, right? But of course he's asking for you know um, for amnesty and all that kind of stuff, right? So right. his thing basically is that well. All right, I will reveal this information to y'all. All all they need to do is just take me from where I'm at right now, and y'all need to take me to this airport where this um, this Russian plane or some so is there. So it'll pick me up, and it'll take me to the states, and I will reveal the information to y'all like that. Right? It's kind of weird, right? Um, while all this is going on behind the scenes, well, the guy who's running the show just so happens to be Mr. John Malkovich himself. And um, oh gosh, man, the 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 um. The the two pay that they give this man to wear by um God by God by <laughs> like why why do they keep doing this to, to John by like like I never like I wasn't the biggest fan of John Markovich, right? But well is such a great actor, but they just give him such crap rules to play like over the years. It's like come to man. You remember a Transformers movie with thing? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um that was that was oh gosh, that was um uh, the the fourth one, the one that you you, you didn't like. Yeah, he was in that. He he was the villain in that. Was it third or the fourth one? I, I can't remember. I, I, yeah, I think it's the third one. Yeah. And yeah, he was yeah, he was the main bad guy in that one, and then the fourth one was Kelsey Grammer, right? See, forget that. Anyway, right. So that's basically the plan, right? So as the title suggests, it's twenty two miles that um that Mark and his team has to transport this guy, and yeah. bad guys. For the life of me, I have no idea who they are lying to, why they after this guy. They just there. So it's like them just going from one point A to point B, and there's these guys on bikes and they will stop off and they'll be these these guys playing some um, you know, plain clothes guys, you know, civilians who are secretly assassins trying to kill this guy. And like I'm there watching this, like, who are these people? Why are they trying to kill this guy? If he's so dangerous, and they try to hint at it, but it just makes no sense. Um, but one thing, I'll just before I get to review of it. So, in this like ridiculously pretentious intro, right, like, the opening credits, they try to establish Mark Wahlberg's character. His name is James Silver, right? So he is. Um, they basically try to say that he's autistic, right? From you know, from a very young age. So it's almost like he's equivalent to um, Ben Affleck's character for the accountant. Where he's right. so skilled at being an assassin and a killer, right? He can defend right. himself, right? He's 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 you can't mess with this guy. But he has his autism and he has his tick. In this case, 
he has his rubber band that he has around his arm. I think it's his left wrist, and he always snaps it, right? Every time he feels angry or he feels like he's like about to like beat somebody up or kill somebody. And it's at this point that in the first act, there are literal scenes where they keep cutting back to him snapping that, that rubber band, and it was just so annoying. Eh? But take it disregard, like the intro to this, right? The two minutes of just establishing oh well this is archival footage here and he's such a gifted kid and it's all about him all about mark right but later on in the story you want to talk about lauren cohan's character then she going through this nasty divorce and she has this app an app on her phone basically where she could send letters out to to ex-husband or do like this little skype call to him and the daughter and send emails out but she can't put cuss words into it because you know the the, the app will immediately block it out and he, he said she should say that those letters will go to lawyers and stuff like that right just to make sure that yeah. the you know the, the case that goes goes through smoothly but my thing is like you stop the show to tell me all this stuff and it has nothing to do with what goes on in my with with the overall movie you stop, you tell her this is character development and it does nothing. Okay, you just give her two scenes, one moment where Laura gets mad and cuts out the, the, the ex-husband and smash the phone, and that's all we hear about that. We we like I almost forgot about the whole um divorcing when the action went down. It just made no sense, right? Even Mark's tick and how skilled he is as a gunman. Throw the window one time as soon as the action kicks in. So let me just jump into the story, right? Um, let me just jump into the review one time. So as you figured, yes, the best thing about the movie is Rama. He is. Yes. Yeah. Cool, calm demeanor. The fight scene that takes place in that um in that little you know medical place. Yes, it's yeah. brutal. It's very 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 visceral. It's very in your face. But I'm uh, sorry, but when I was watching it, I was like, this could have been in a much better movie. Like if yeah. he was further said that he was in a better movie. This would have been a standout moment. Well, but it's yes, like an action scene without Mark Dredd. And Mark is your star. I think if, if it was, if it, if, they, if it just had Lauren Cohen and it was about, about her and Rama, the story could have worked. But yeah. see, this is what I say. Mark put himself in a space that he don't need to be in. Yeah, exactly. Mark yeah. is the sticks all like a sore thumb. And yeah. oh my it's God. Also- like, like, you see how I, how I see I hate this character in Pain and Gain Dredd? He's like triple annoying in this movie here he's way worse he just comes off as knowing everything you know he's always like verbally i don't want to say verbally abusive but always like bringing down somebody like there's a there's a scene literally right where he's talking down to this 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 chick who works um at the just basically doing tech stuff right and she her job basically is just to find the location of the ccm and the man just goes in and berates and talks about what you think, what I'm doing, what, what we're doing here. Is it serious? Do you know what this thing does? You know what this thing does? You know what this CCM thing does? You know, it can blow up. You know, it's like Hiroshima. It's like Nagasaki. I'm, I'm Nagasaki. Blah, 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 blah. And he just going off. And I'm like, be professional at least. Though. But you're telling this girl to be professional, a douchey job. And you just be like pissing and moaning about, we need to find a CCM. And blah, 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 blah. I'm like, why, Dred? Why? Why are you acting like a kid? You know what I mean? Yes, you're autistic and we get that, but oh gosh, man, like, be a likable character. Like, even the character in the accountant wasn't that annoying. Come on, right? Um, Ronda Rousey actually do a pretty good job for the little time that she was on screen, you know? We could kind of laugh at her performance in, you know, Furious 7, 
you know, right. being really like one dimensional. But yeah, you know, she 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 showed that she could she could do a lot. She could do a lot. You know what I mean? And even on WWE, she 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 picking up on it. She could do she could what she you know does it more. She could she could actually hold up right. It does her acting. Uh, Laura Cohen was fine, but her character was just so um, not needless, right? But just once again, she could have just been in a better movie. Like she. Apparently she's a co-star, but she isn't really given much to do. Like the show, not really sure what to do with the co-stars. You know, not sure what to do with Lauren. Not sure what to do with with Rama. Um, Rama is just, oh well, take me here and I will give you the location. And you know, they try to be all tough. And another thing I hated about this show is how tough everybody trying to be. Everybody doing yeah. this tough guy role. John Malkovich trying to be tough, but you just a guy just barking orders to people in comms like, "What it is you doing?" And you're like, "Well, this is integral and this is important and this is about to save the world." And they're like, "What it is you doing, bro? You just yeah. talking to a mic? You just talking into a mic? What are you, what are you doing? What are you doing?" Right? Uh, Lauren and the backstory with she, she husband goes absolutely nowhere. I mean, like, as far as as doing action, she could do action well. You know, she has great screen presence, but once again, she could have been a much better movie. Uh, Mark, wow, boy, the man's dialogue. Just the dialogue in this whole show alone is terrible because everybody just trying to, like, out-talk each other. So everybody just trying to be snarky. There's even one scene with her, with, uh, with Lauren and Mark. It's just, like, just trying to outsnark each other. It's like, oh, you know better than me? Yeah, I know better than you. Okay, well, you know about this? Yeah, I know about this. What about you? And it's just... What, trying to one up each other is just so annoying and pointless, right? Um, as for the action scenes itself, okay, but before we get to the action scenes, the build up to the whole mile 22 thing long, pointless, went nowhere, it was yeah. boring, dragged on, it was just a bunch of technical gobbledygook and political stuff, and it's just so badly told and badly edited. It's just like, what's the point of all this? Right? Let's show me some action. And then by the time you get to the action scene with Rama in the place, it's like, all right, cool, but. Once again, it just feels like this should have been in a much better movie, Dread. And fight choreography, for the most part, is good in that section. Because when they go to other fight scenes is your typical Paul Greengrass parody, right? Which is you cut, yeah. cut, 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 cut. You try to hide the fact that it's a stunt man or a stunt woman. Cut, 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 cut. You know what I mean? And we're supposed to buy into the fact that, oh, well, this is this guy beating this other guy who has a knife. And you could tell it's stunt work. It's, it's, a, it's a stunt man being, being involved here. It's just so blatantly apparent, right? And now for the whole Mile 22 stuff. Um, same Paul Greengrass, Seller editing, quick cuts, not, could barely understand what's going on, too much unnecessary close-ups, could barely make out what's going on, like um, when, when things going down. The scenes are brutal, they are violent, but it's just like, all right, what's going on? Who are these guys trying to kill Rama? Like, two, I, up to now, I still don't know who these characters are, you know. There's no big real villain that... It's supposed to say, oh, he's the guy who sent out these 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 thugs and gunmen to try to kill this guy. But like, no, it's just random people come in and get shot. And then another implausible thing is like people getting shot in the street and thing, and like no news report, nobody like re- reacting or responding. It's just, oh, it's a shootout. Okay, that's this convoy shootout. Nothing. Just a normal day, right? Whatever. And then the ending of it, by my god, wow, wow. And this is the overall problem with this movie, right? It tries so hard to be smart, Jen. Like, I don't know if you ever yeah. see a movie like this, Ricardo, where yeah. you go yeah. out of your way to be so smart and intelligent, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. look at these drone shots. Oh, look at how clever we are. We're talking about, you know, Russian stuff and spy stuff and secret agent stuff because we got to be cutting edge and we got to be on point. And it's like, 
no, you're not. You're trying hard to be smart, but no, it's dumb. At the end of the day, it's just convoy sends guy from point A to point B. People try to stop convoy. Violence ensues. That's all. Stop trying to be pretentious and tell me, well, you yeah, know, and political stuff, and this is how important this is. And no, you're not. You're trying desperately to be smart, but you're not. And the ending of this thing tries so hard to be like, ooh, look at the twist. Ha ha ha. You didn't see that one coming. No, it's horrible. When the twist happens, like, oh my God, this is how they, this is how they got any show. It's really how they plan to end the show. And they try to be smart with it, but no, you, 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 you slap them on my face. You're insulting my intelligence. You insult my intelligence even further with the movie, and then the end was just that that icing on on that on that cake. So, yes, I hate to this movie. This could have been so much better if it just knew what it was about. Is it a political thriller? Is it just some visceral action movie? Is it just a set piece, uh, a set piece to show Rama, you know, to to, to American audiences? It could it just make up your mind what you want. You know what I mean? And then once again, similar to Patriots Day, did we need to have Mark Wahlberg, front and center in this movie? No. He didn't need to be in this movie. Like you said, it could have been Rama. And it could have been Lauren and, 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 and Ronda be, you know, co-stars. And I guess you have John Markovich because he just desperately need a paycheck. But, oh gosh, man. Mark was just pointless in this movie. There was no need for him to be in this movie. Set up with him being autistic went nowhere. Him as a character went nowhere. Him as an action star in that show went nowhere neither. There was no moment where I was like, all right, yeah, Mark is a man. Why Mark is a hero. No. Rama had that one fight scene and steal the show from everybody. Yeah. Take about that for a minute. Take about that. So for me, this gets a light to other fighters. I want my money back. I know I did not see it in theaters, but I still want my money back. This is hands on the worst action movie I've seen this year. This is so pointless. So bland, so uninterested, so try hard, trying to be all smart and clever. It's like, no, you, you just, you just trying way too hard. Just call with a solid story, or just be simple with the story. I mean, it's an action show. You don't try to be the next born identity here, right? This is not United Nine Three folks. Stop trying to be Paul Greengrass. Let Paul Greengrass be Paul Greengrass. Peter Berg. Stop trying to be Paul Greengrass, all right? Both different directors. Come on, right? And you're not Michael B either, so stop trying to be Michael B as well. <laughs> but yeah, boy, um, this this was a colossal failure for me, Trent. And I don't know, for me, just inclusive, I hope that this is the last collaboration we see with these with, with these two directors, um, with Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg. Like, I really don't know. Like, what, they're they trying to win Oscars here? Like, Peter Berg trying to win an Oscar? I, I, like, I was thinking Mark was trying to win an Oscar with um, Deepwater Horizon or something, so, but it's like, you could branch out and do other projects and just give give all this a little break like don't be collaborating on on movies all the time now this 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 just go forward this take a little vacation or some kind of thing but nah this is like the worst collaboration between these two but i know i'm not looking forward to the next collaboration but i hope that this is if if they have mediocrity in store I hope that they, we don't get that i hope that this is the last time that you see these two names together but Knowing them, I, I kind of doubt that. So that's all I had to say about this garbage peel movie called Mile 22 Jet. Skip this movie. What are the worst for the year? And speaking of worst of the year, is Robin Hood one of the worst of the year? Yep. Definitely going to be on my worst of the list. But bullshit. of course. But of course. But of course. All right, so let's talk about this bullshit. Take it away. <sighs> all right. So. Right, so remember King Arthur from last year with, with um, Charlie Humdrum? 
Uh, <laughs> yes, which I was, I was, I did not, I did not hate, I didn't love it, but, uh, but I was kind of, I was, I was, I was, I was fair towards it. Like I it got what they was trying to do, but there was just that moments that one, they just wasn't sure what they wanted. That's all. One part of that movie I like, and that's when he was doing the explanation stuff when he was talking to the sheriff fella, and they had the the fast editing and funny little style. Yeah, the the, the guy Richie approach. Yeah. Right. The, the, the it, approach, but when yeah. they try to put supernatural bullshit on it, that is when it's dead. Yep. Yep. After yep. That's yep. <laughs> really hard. Like, he yeah. should be doing Robin Hood. Guy Ritchie should be doing Robin Hood. Because everything would be more grounded and you're doing more. Like, I would like to see that. Yeah. And, and then, well, on the subject of that, because Guy Ritchie likes to do films with, you know, with, with thieves and, you know, thugs yeah. and that. Robin yeah. Hood, yeah. A thief, right? Yeah. Don't think right. King Arthur, who's supposed to be a king and trying to make him out like he's yeah. some kind of outlaw, you know what I mean? Like he's a rebel <laughs> and all he becomes is hero because he defeats some video game boss at the end of the movie. Yeah, like, stupid. come on. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, this was... So is your boy from Kingsman, right? Of course. Um, Ta- Taron Ed- um, Edgerton. Yes, you know, yeah, great, 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 um, um, great actor, I should say. Okay, yeah. So I got I to gotta straight up say it. J.B. Fox has to... This has to be the worst casting I've ever heard of in a long time. Really? I thought Jimmy Fox would at least kind of, you know, amp I don't, things up a bit, though, make the no, show a I, little credible. Fucking terrible in this. He doesn't <laughs> in this at all, Jared. Listen, the problem is, you see, the problem is that he's doing is the accent. That accent keeps flipping back and forth right through, Jared. Anyway, oh, Jimmy Fox. Do British. Okay, he was doing British, but then it went to Jimmy Fox. All right, all right. And then he kind of sung an American here, but he ain't trying try to sung Arabic here. And look, Jimmy Fox what? is not that. You know, well, I'll explain the Arabic thing because yeah, they, yeah. they kind of do the thing with Morgan Freeman, right? You know, right, right. Uh, this is from from Prince of Thieves, yeah, mm. right. And this movie kind of remember that a little bit, you know, a little, little bit. Um, yeah, the thing. So his character is Little John, and they explain why because he had some Arabic name, but he said, "Well, I'm just gonna call it LG." So it's like, all right, well, that's your clever way to do it. All right, fuck you. Moving on. Uh-huh. Um, and then. He they, they so they went to the crusades, they come back from the crusades. It's basically oh, oh, by the way, they steal so much from Batman in this, it's shocking. Like as in Batman begins, right? Yeah, yeah, the Nolan verse. Like it's so much Nolan Batman shit in it. It's like it's Joker, this and this, this scene in it is like wow, they just take that straight off way. I mean, you know what you call um cargo cultural making? That is exactly what that is. Right, right, understand how to do it. Um anyway. So, apparently, I think Maid Marion tried to steal from him, steal the horse in the beginning. That was the beginning of the movie. She was okay, I suppose, but uh, they could have done more with her. And then he went to the Crusades. They had a, a whole, quote-unquote, Afghanistan, Sashi, Iraq section. Everybody was making this point of, it was just like, they, the way they shoot it and had the song, the song, song design, it was like it was modern Warner, which I didn't hate. I thought that was kind of cool in its own way, but again, like, that's so inaccurate, but whatever. And, uh, and right. very an- anachronistic, but I don't care about stuff like that, it's fine. You know, style, style is win over substance in, certain, in these cases. Um, then he comes back. He basically have to suss out, um, you know, your boy Mendelssohn as uh-huh. a villain. Of course, because of course he's a villain. Yeah, of course he's a villain. And basically they had it where they just do this, this modern take on... It's, it's kind on, of political. On the, on the myth of, of Robin Hood, right? Right, but they do the whole... They did everything so modernized in the worst way. So they have Robin Hood, but they, they wear the paint in them. It's like Banksy style um painting or right. um oh gosh where's where's got a famous painter i don't know if it's monks you do it with the andrew the giant 
painted with the black and white thing. Um, that's spray painting, Andrew uh, Jack. I forget the name of it. I forget the name, yeah. Yeah, um, it'll come to me. Anyway, he, they have him like a, a folk hero kind of vibes, and they do the whole, um, yeah, they do the whole, um, again, it's, it's a real political kind of, little, little Trump, little Trump, little Brexit kind of bullshit going down. So it's about, oh, well, we don't want them immigrants coming in, and so on, so on. That, that is where he is, and, that, and then he just do that as a guy to, to tax too heavily and be unfair and so on. So, so he had to fight back. And then, well, this fella loses hand. Uh, we call him. Um, which is, uh, it was really stupid. Um, Lil John. Right. He loses. So that way he can't do it. So he had to get Taron Edgerton and do it. And, 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 some, build- and, and of course, treat him on, on how to use a bow and arrow. Which I saw in the trailers. I was like, right, you're, right, you're, right. you're serious about this, really? But everybody, they have the world building. Obviously, if you remember where Fire Tuck is, they have this character. And it's like, oh, that's supposed to be Fire Tuck. Okay. And um, there they have all the other, the, the, basically the, the, the Merry Men. Yeah. Well, before they were the Merry Men, right? And before right. Robin Hood, well, Robin Hood in this case, I, I remember from the trailer being Robin of the Hood. Robin of the Hood, sorry. Right. right. And I basically what it is. It's just the, the famous, um, it's just, just, just that style of um, everything is so modernized and anachronistic now. And that's the whole point of it is that, well, it's, it's this thing and it's this style of thing and everybody dressed up like if it's, um, what way is called them people, boy? Um, Black Block? If you know who Black Block is? You know uh, that is? Well, well, for those who don't know, like myself, what is Black Block? Black Block is supposed to be, um, what way is called them, boy? It's like the left wing version of like, like, uh, what is the name, boy? The strip, it's, it's slipping my mind right now. But it's basically um, like, Left wing anarchist fighter type, so all of them dress up black and they had to fight against Nazis and so on. Oh, so on. I, against... I see, I see, I understand, I understand, yeah. Oh, call them? Oh, God, my name's slipping right now, but basically, it's all of this modern uh, anarchist aesthetic, no? and then so they had to use all of this um fighting style, and and that's basically it. That's the story. And then, well, they eventually killed us, kill him, and then they decide to do a post credit kind of scene with the ending where um. The other, the other character who was, who was Robin Hood enemy he was kind of the prince, nice guy. Character. Apparently, he's the one who thing who's the new villain. And then, well, they make it. Um, this fella, um, who's the actor boy? Oh gosh, but my brain, my brain is slipping for this bullshit though because my um, brain tried to. Is wa- it? Is it? Is it? Um, homeboy is it from um. Oh gosh, not Jamie Dornan. No, it's a famous actor. Um. And I thought it was Master Braytag from Stargate, but it's not. It's the other actors look like him. Um, gosh, it's not my name, but he was in. Um, okay, let me just look up IMDb quick. Yeah, yeah, look it up, look it up, because um, I, I, if, if I were to find out who it is, I would, I would kind of see the spoiler and, and, and um, F, you know. F. Murray Abraham. F. Murray Abraham. Oh, serious? He's in the show. Yeah, he, was in he was, he was the pastor. And he was running things. And then they had um, Tim Mitchkin. Is he okay? So Tim Mitchkin is a famous like, like. Not well, anti-religious comedian who just do a certain music. So he was he was fire talking this. He was okay, kind of funny. Um, Jamie Fox was terrible. Ben Wilson was okay. The girl was okay. She wasn't so bad. Um, right, well, what, what, what about Starboy? What about what about Exy from um from from Kingsman? How how was he? Exy fall flat for me. He kind of hold He kind of hold things, but he I thought he was a mess. Frankly, um, they could have do more with him. 
they just piece together and yeah, the whole thing just the whole thing just come come and gone for me. This is just a flat waste of time. Again, I, now, I would say I, I don't think it's as bad as well the other one I watch her. Um it wasn't as bad as um King Harry Potter. Potter. Oh, oh no. right, right. Fantastic Beasts. Right, right. For me, not as bad. It, didn't, it wasn't as boring. At least it kept my attention. It was entertaining. But this was a mess, right? Yeah, anyway, the, 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 the villain, I think, Will Scarlet was the villain, and he was kind of replacing her. The girl has made Marion. She wasn't so bad. Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. Again, another, another low CC8. Not surprised. Um, I, I actually saw the trailer fit like twice, and I just was not convinced of his um oh. it, it just felt like it was just trying too hard to just update this like we really exactly. need this we already had king arthur legendary sword look at how, how that turned out right so no, why, why why are we doing what, this robin hood thing now what killed it is that the whole thing does feel like an actual like a, a obvious studio project no it feels too obvious nothing felt naturalistic for for me it just felt like okay this is a movie this is stuntman this is a crowd and everything just felt what what kill it is the aesthetic the whole out, 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 you know, the whole modern aesthetic there, because everything's supposed to be anti-Trump and anti-Brexit, so they use obvious things in modern um, anarchist, anarchist aesthetic to show, well, oh, this is how it was back in the days there. And if yeah, it was that, like... That, that's not even smart, though, from, from aesthetics, right, no? you know, that's not even if, smart. If, if, um, if they was doing it like how, like how Guy Ritchie was doing his film, that could kind of work. Again, if, that, if this is in the hands of Guy Ritchie, it might have worked. It didn't work at all because the directors are kind of shut down. Though. So it's like, <laughs> it didn't make sense now. I, uh, this one come and gone for me. I will admit, I was a little drunk for this one. So I, I liked it. I, I, more I, than I told I, you, I told you to get a couple of beers before you watch this. So like, if I was actually clear headed, I'd probably real fucking hate this. Um, yeah, yeah no CC it. Come but, on, but, go it, on. but is it going to be on your, on your worst of list? Let me know. Let me know. Probably. Probably. I, I've, I, have, I have a couple worse on this year, but yeah, probably. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, yeah. with all that being said, Ricardo, where can we find you online? Uh, at RMEY on Twitter. That is at RMEDI on Twitter. And then Ricardo will be there on Facebook. You'll find me there. All right. You can also find me on Twitter. Uh, just look for Legally Black MJB. MGB and Capital Letters. You can also find me on Facebook. Just look for my name, Match Bailey, along with Illegally Black Blog, official fan base. We find a link to this podcast as well as the others that we've done over the past couple of years, including retrospect reviews. Yeah. So as the year draws to a close, uh, we have quite a lot of stuff to to see and, and check out. So for one thing, glad to see this we get in Creed 2 and yeah. Ralph Breaks the Internet this week. Um, I'm going to be right. checking out both. Excited for that. Uh, a few and other so, yeah. best stuff and worst stuff I want to check out as well. Right. And, and sorry. also, sorry, and also during, well, during the month of December, we're supposed to be getting Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Right. Uh, on Netflix, we're supposed to be getting Mowgli, Legend of the Jungle. Um, on right. CW, we're supposed to be getting Elseworlds. So it's just yeah. a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Um, as I as I promised before, I will be checking out Fifty Shades Free. You could expect that roughly before right. Christmas because, yes, I want to save, I want to save that movie technically for last way that will be the last bad movie of 2018 that i will be reviewing for sure and last thing i just want to say um that's oh, what that yeah right that's what i was about to say on well as, as i told you over facebook where we got we getting that on unboxing day way so that's a good time that's a good time it, look i that's i don't nice. mind i don't i don't mind right because they home with the family boxing yeah. they have an excuse to get out of the house 
but yeah. it's like I really wanted to do like I wanted for us to do our to record our final episode on Boxing Day, like what we did last year. But unfortunately, you had to push that like probably a couple of days back because of Aquaman. So with all that being said, along with Aquaman, um, we, I will make sure to well, I'll make a, I'll remind you about this too. Uh, season one of Titans, it should be done be, before Christmas anyway. So. I guess it wouldn't be, it wouldn't hurt for us to talk about both Aquaman and Titans since it's both you know yes. DC stuff. So why not? Um, I don't know if you you probably split up the episode, but we will um, make sure to record our you know best and worst stuff of the year, and of course the hip hop projects of 2018. I was considering if we could do like maybe a collab with uh, Mike Wise and and Doughboy, yeah, but we just had to figure things out and see when we had time and you know when we could pull it off. Now, but other than that, yeah. you can expect those. Hopefully by the, you know, last last Sunday or so before before um Dece- before the end of of December. Um, yeah. anything else you just want to mention before we part with? No, not not really. Yeah, but other than that, though, just a lot of stuff to look forward to. But I just <laughs> this this is gonna be this is gonna be fun, man. This this should be a really interesting month. So just hoping for nothing for the best for not just in terms of our show, but just um just movies in general. Just want to be entertained. I don't want like Aquaman to feel or Spider-Man to feel, you know what I mean? They might have some elves, but them two in particular can't feel. Um, even Bumblebee no, and all, I don't want those to feel. I expect both of them to be really solid. I expect Spider-Man to be excellent, but um, I expect Aquaman to be solid. As in, yeah, James Wan not going to fuck this up, and yeah, they, they can't really go any lower than Batman with Superman, so ever. Yeah, and it had to be with IMAX, because, yeah, I want to see that in IMAX. Yeah, yeah. I can't see the IMAX. Just see it. <laughs> and yeah, that's pretty much about it. So, once again, guys, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Whenever you listen to this, this was Machi Bailey and Ricardo Medina. And we are signing off from another episode of BS Beats and Bailey. So, until the next one, take care. Peace. <laughs>